We're live. That always sounds so fake. It's always hard to get these things started. It's always hard to just just start talking. Not hard, but uh. well, I'm learning from you that the way you <laughs> define things in your own mind. Yep. Uh, it's all about the language. Yeah. It's all about the language you use. Yeah, the way you define things can oftentimes shape exactly how those things manifest themselves in real life, right? Yeah, you say more about yourself than what you actually know. That's where mind coaching comes in. You say more about yourself? Yeah, well, you give away a lot. Mm. And it, well, sometimes it doesn't make sense. They're talking about something and they're saying that they're really positive about something and then you think, well, that doesn't match up. So it's a bit like um, a barking pig. Pigs don't bark. So you just, that doesn't make sense. You know? mm. That's how I define it anyway. A barking think of pig. Mad. A barking pig. That one I had to throw through the filter. I'm like, huh? <laughs> fuck is she talking about? <laughs> yeah, magic mushroom days, I'm afraid. <sighs> yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing we just did. We just did something called timeline therapy. Yep. That you uh, were telling me about, that Joe Schilling told me about. <clears throat> Ian McCall got really interested in it. Um, and what you. What you what if for, for folks who've never heard of Vinny before? Vinny's been on the podcast before. Vinny's a mental coach and a hypnotist. And uh, before our first session, the last time you came on the podcast, I was like, well, I don't know about all this hypnotist stuff. Maybe just a bunch of fucking crazy people and people talk to them. And I mean, you for sure have seen those televangelists that put their hands on people and they go into spasms and they yep. fall down the floor yep. and they claim to be cured of illnesses. Yeah, that's that's um, hysteria, isn't it? What is that? It's bollocks. It's bollocks? <laughs> yeah. It's bullshit, isn't it? But is it? Or is no, it something they, going on with some of those people? It they a, think it? It is a hypnotic state. doesn't it mean is. that it's it's a positive one, but it is a hypnotic state. They get this. Uh, anyone that does... Uh, I've been on a couple of podcasts now. I went on uh, two with Ian McCall, the Dash Radio. And mm-hmm. I went on his uh, story time with Uncle Creepy, and the first thing out of their interviewer said, obviously because you did hypnosis, oh, we're gonna, you know, I can't be hypnotized. Well, fine, that's that's all right, you know what I mean? People love to say that, don't they, though? I don't care. I can't be hypnotized, bro. Can't yeah. get me, bro. Well, I don't care. <laughs> fine. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I think we, dis- well, we may have discussed this the last time, but we may not have. I think stand-up comedy is hypnosis. Of course it is. You think Every- so? You know what everything is? You know, you, how do you know you're not in a hypnotic state listening to you? How do you mm. hypnotic state, not listen to music, TV, right. having a bath, shower, rituals, whatever? So do you think that the term hypnotic is problematic because people think that it takes away control from you and it puts you yeah. into this netherworld or something like that? It, well, it can do, but all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, so you do it yourself. Mm. I only guide it. I'm only a postman of information, as my first teacher said, Keith Mayer, um, who works for Liverpool Football Club. Great guy. Uh, he said that we're only postman of information, so we just guide the way and show the, the person which way to go you know yeah i don't do it for that i said last time i don't do it for all that oh, look at him eating an onion oh. i don't mm-hmm. like that i mean it's fine if you want to go to a show and you want to get involved in that and hey great you want to have sex with a, uh, the chair or whatever that's okay for me yeah i don't i don't do it for that you what do you do it for um i do it because i like people succeeding i know it sounds cliche and very hippie but i love it i like people doing well i like I like his six, and as some some sort of weird noble side of me, really. I think when people conquer fear, when mm-hmm. people conquer something, I think there's nothing bad in that. Well, I think one of the things that we talked about when we were doing the timeline, I was talking about some of my experiences when I was younger that have kind of like clung to me, unfortunately or yeah. fortunately, and and you know you were you were talking about your own, and I think that 
when you've had some bad experiences in your life and when you've had uh, some things in your mind that stand out as uh, very memorable moments and points in your life, those things can kind of, uh, they, they don't just define you, but that also can set you up for the future, like how you think about yeah. other people or how you think about other things. Yeah, it shapes your life completely, yeah. yeah. And having these bad moments and realizing what they were and how they defined you now gives you motivation to help other people get yeah. over their bad moments. Yeah. yeah, it's just with timeline therapy, which was devised by um, Tad James and a, um, a very, very successful guy at Tad James Company. My teacher worked for them directly, Colin Mackay, so I'm a direct ascendant, really, of that. It, the, the the technique is amazing. I mean, I love it. And I said to you earlier, I believe everyone in the world should do it. That's not a sales pitch, by the way. That's just my opinion. You yeah. know, I just think it's fabulous. You know, people have things going on. Like, let's say you've got an iPhone 6 or an iPhone or whatever. If you don't you know, the apps keep playing over and over again. If they're still going on, they're going to take some sort of toll on you when you shut them down and think, well, actually, shuts it down. You save your battery, your memory, and it shapes your life. You know what? I've been saying that for a while. It turns out it doesn't. Somebody just, uh, some dude just <laughs> been tweeted me. Yeah, it's not like a computer where a computer is constantly has these mm -hmm. things running in the background and it's using up resources and battery power. Apparently with phones, it does not do that. Well, like a defragmentation. You run all yes. computers and you defrag it. Right. That then instead. So yeah. that's my app thing gone now, hasn't it? I was right, enjoying right, that. Right. I, I, I did too. I used to use that as an example, <laughs> but some, some uh, dude who actually knows what he's talking about corrected me. <laughs> we'll just ignore him then. <laughs> no, we, have, we cannot. We must plow <laughs> forward and now. accept our defeat. That's it now, yeah. That's it now. It's ruined. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that you know, your, um, your own personal experiences is, is, is one of the reasons why you've become a coach, not yeah. just a mind coach, but a martial arts coach. Yeah. and that these experiences of negative moments in your life where you've overcome them and you realize, hey, I can help someone else who is in that sort of same situation. Yeah, of course. It's, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's just, it's nice to just say it's, it's not that important. You know, people mm. believe that these sometimes, I mean, God, there is problems that are massive. You know, I'm yeah. not going to lie in some things I can't solve. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not Moses. Right. But um, there is there is things that, you know, if you can help somebody out and, and they can get rid of it, or change the way they think, i.e. Joe Schilling when he did time and therapy and his relationship with his dad was miles better before he passed away. Isn't that pretty powerful? Yeah, Joe talked about it on the yeah. podcast. He talked about it just it completely changed his whole perception of his relationship with his dad, yeah. who his dad was in his yeah. life, and just he let it all go. Yeah, and, and it just helped him tremendously. Yeah, and that, what more can you say than that, really, yeah. as a coach? I mean, Ian McCall has said... You know, I know that he didn't get his fight with uh, Justin Scoggins and that because of the weight, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Ian was saying that his life has changed since doing timeline therapy and doing, the, you know, work with me. Not just timeline therapy and not just hypnosis with my coaching in general because it's multifaceted, really. And um, he said his life's changed. He, he's a different person. People have noticed, you know, so that's... For me, it's great news. I think sometimes it just takes the realization of what's been fucking with you. Mm -hmm. That yeah. once you realize what it is, then you have it in your mind, and then you can kind of look at it for what it really is instead of this like thing that's playing in the background that you can't quite identify, yeah. or you or you know it exists but you ignore it, and you just you don't you don't ever get over it. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I had a, a client the other week called Joyce. She's eighty years of age. And she was going to a, a wedding in Spain for her grandson. And she was beside herself. She was terrified. You know, and we did just a few things. 
you know, a little things to make her consider different ways of looking at the anxiety she was getting. Because mm-hmm. anxiety is basically a message through your unconscious mind is to focus on what you want. Because if you're in an anxious state, you're focusing on what you don't want. Right. There's different levels of it, of course, which she was focusing on what may go wrong. Instead of saying, oh, let's, we're going to a wedding, it's a celebration of two people's matrimony, whatever, and it's going to be nice, and da 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 da. She wasn't focused on that, she was focused on something else. I changed that, and like, she was happy, and she went to the wedding, and it's a. You know, it's good. I mean, she's 80 years of age. She may not be going to loads of weddings, let's be honest. Right. But if, for me, the job itself, it, what can you say about that? It's, it's, it transforms people, you know, and I, I adore it. No, I know you do. I really, you really, it, it comes out of you when you do it. You Thanks. really do love it. Um, I, it's a, it seems to me that human beings don't really live long enough to figure out what this is. You know, I think that is one of the major problems that a lot of us have. We have a certain amount of momentum that comes from our childhood, whether it's good or bad, and we follow that momentum into our adulthood, sometimes trying to hit the brake, sometimes trying to correct the course, and oftentimes using things like alcohol or drugs or gambling or anything to distract us from the pain of yeah. whatever, the instability, whatever, whatever it is that's fucking with us. And then you get to be a certain age and you realize, like, I'm barely figuring this thing out and I'm almost dead. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the worst thing is, what, what, you know, sat in an old people's home and you're on piss. Yeah. Going, oh, I wish you'd done that. Yeah, you, you, don't, you definitely don't want that. But you also, you, you I think, like, there's, a, there's a big thing that people always talk about, like living in the moment. Mm. It is a very, it's a very difficult thing to do yeah. for some strange reason. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, because, you, you know, you, you're you worrying about tomorrow, aren't you? Or you're worrying about later on. Or you're you worried know? about yesterday. Or you're worried about yesterday. Or you're worried about last year. Indeed. Or, and yeah. it, and that's, that's where, you know, it's, I'm not going to pretend to walk in a cloud, you know, and, and, and try and come in with all these long like statements and write these things, you know. Right. Because I think it's, no one does. Well, that's you know, a the problem. The Dalai Lama doesn't. But that's a problem know? with religion, right? With yeah. religion, the, the, one of the bigger issues is that the people that are sort of proselytizing or the people that are promoting it, they're in some ways, many of them, especially like priests and things along those lines, which yeah. is why it's so disappointing when you hear about child sex abuse amongst yeah. priests. Yeah. They're pretending to be something holy and special and above you, yeah. which is why they can bestow this knowledge upon yeah. you. Why they can, they're talking directly from God. Yeah. Well, no, we're all peasants in this weird yeah. exchange. Yeah. No, they're not conduits, are they? Right. No, they're not, you know, and... I think I think you get delusions of grandeur. I think oh, a, lot, sure, a lot right? of people do, you know. And I've met, you know, I've met you, and, and I'm a fan of yours, and I really enjoy the. I think, I, like I said before, you never know, had Wim Hof, who I love, you know, Russell Brand, brilliant, you know, and Dr. Rhonda Patrick and Joe and Ian, and you know, the, the you know, the, the companion and all the fights companion, and I love that. Do you know what I mean? I, I like it the way that you're normal, and I don't think I don't think who gives us the right to try and walk on water. Yeah, I'm well known. I got. I've been spotted a few times because of your show, even in Thailand and that. But I, I still wouldn't be any different. Right. Well, you, it's you no especially, because you're so aware of these traps that yeah. the mind sets. Yeah. It, it is a weird dance that we do in this life where you're trying to sort of manage the mind and figure out what it is that's holding you back or helping you or, you know, just to sort of guide yourself through this existence. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it, your unconscious mind's trying to help you. But people decipher it wrongly. I think it's the, it's the, the language that your mind speaks or getting to understand it. 
to move away from chaos, like I said, we're going to do a technique, mm -hmm. if that's all right. Uh, you just warn everybody not to be driving when doing this or operating any machinery. Here, we're going to do a technique, folks. Strap it. Everybody so, relax. So it's, and it's, you know, and I want to share that um, because, you know, chaos, it's, it's not easy. Life isn't easy. No, you know, life isn't easy. You get all sorts. Of it's easy in bursts. In bursts, exactly. You know, you can be you can be going along, and all of a sudden, you get side sideswiped by something. You know what I mean? And and can you know knock you for six? But you know, it's it's, it's about trying to calm the chaos down, and and you know, and just get your mind to settle, and give yourself even a few moments of peace. Even a few moments of peace in the day would be, you know, it would be beneficial to everybody. I think. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I think anyway. You know, my opinion. No, I agree. For, the, for the, what it's worth. I agree. I, I, I think we could all use some peace and reflection. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah. And um, I think, uh, like, many of us are, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, are a prisoner of doubt and fear. Yeah. Those are, those are two big factors in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And a lot of people's response to doubt and fear is to not do anything to not take any chances, to try to live safe, to try to live like very, a very controlled and simple existence. But then you miss out on experiences. Nothing to look back on, is there? You also miss out on the, the there's like just p living life without fear doesn't mean there's not going to be moments where you're scared yeah. and, and taking chances because those moments when you do take chances or you do something new, and it could be as simple as like being a 50-year-old man starting jujitsu or a 50-year-old woman, mm. you know, starting a martial arts class or something, something like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. But those moments where you put yourself into vulnerable positions can be very beneficial for you. So it's not a matter of avoiding everything that causes you fear. It's a matter of embracing the uncertainty of life and trying to experience it with as much positivity and as much openness and as much with with as least resistance as possible. Yeah, everything was new once. Yeah. So every you know you've, you everyone's done something, learned something the first time, the first time. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and and for me, so what people don't understand is there a massive, massive amount of successes you've had in your life that you thought was impossible, tying your lace. Riding a bike for me, driving that was awful. Driving, oh, why? I don't know. I was just one of those things that got it into my head that I was rubbish at it. My dad didn't have a car, my mum didn't have a car. I love rubbish, I love yeah. that expression. In the British, <laughs> rubbish use. Old boy. I was rubbish at it, yeah. and um, so they had to basically do it because I, I lived farther away from my kids and now I can drive. And, and it, it, it was something I had to, I had to really push myself to do but i think we're we're all a collection of successes mm -hmm. try tying your lace writing the day right you know or what read you know telling the time you know there's loads of things but we too, we're too busy kicking the shit out of ourselves about what we've done wrong you know for me when i watched holly home fight last time when she fought she looked shell-shocked mm -hmm. and I, I i that's my opinion she looked shell-shocked do you think she was perhaps shell-shocked by the loss to Misha Tate and then jumping right back into the octagon? Or do you think that was she was fighting a very, very difficult opponent? Yeah, both. Because Valentina is, Valentina Shevchenko, the woman who she fought, is one of the most experienced strikers yeah, in all is. of MMA, period. Yeah. Well, her sister was on uh, Infusion Season 6 with us in mm -hmm. Thailand. Um, 
yeah, so she's she's from Peru. I think she lives in Peru, mm-hmm. but she now she's Peru. she's Russian. I understand that, but she still looks shell shocked. Yes, do you know what I mean? And 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 I think that's it's part of the the process. I mean, I think a lot of gyms because it's macho because it's fighting, and yeah, you'd be all right. And patting on the back, be all right. You look, you did great today. Mm-hmm. If you have that, I deem it like this. It's like you're doing a white wash and you put all your whites in. And then you, you, it's like you like, put your weight. So I've done my strength and conditioning. Oh, right. I've, I've got my diet right. I'm on point for, for my weight, blah, blah, blah. My coach says my BJJ is great or whatever, or boxing or whatever the sport may be. Or even if it's not sport, you know, your boss or whatever. And then all of a sudden you put one red sock in your wash. Everything goes pink. So that little thought that can infect you. So you say, oh, you, you might sit there. And the loneliest places, I think, fight someone and lost are in the changing rooms. I think that's my opinion of fighters. They lose in the changing rooms. They have one sort of negative thought. The mind whispers something. It becomes a shout, and all of a sudden you drag it with you. Well, fighters, fights can be lost. Yeah. But no matter how positive your thinking is, if yeah. you're fighting Anderson Silva in, your, in his prime, yeah. you're probably fucked. Yeah, there is that. But yeah. that's why I said it's not a guarantee. Right. Using a mind coach isn't a guarantee you're going to win. Right. For me, it's more help. A strength and condition is not going to make you win. But it's a massive help. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. I mean, I, I I know the benefit of it. You know the benefit of it because you did a little bit of hypnosis. Joe's in the benefit of it in his life as well as in his fighting. You know, uh, Liam Harrison, who's a good friend of mine, Jordan Watson, and other people that I've worked with and other people that are working in the future. It does give you a band of nerves and self-doubt is a massive hole in your boat. If, if you're going to do something where you have to have confidence. For everything in life. Yes, indeed. It's not, that's one of the things that I, I like about fighting is that it's so condensed. It's, it's a very extreme situation. It's, it's sort of like problem-solving condensed to like one of the most intense versions of it that we possibly can experience, yeah. other than war. Yeah. War probably being the most intense version yeah. of problem-solving. Yeah. But it's, you're presenting with all these incredibly difficult challenges and you have to figure your way through it yeah and with a poor mindset or a, a faulty mind that you're 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 it's like having a flat tire or having yeah. bad brakes it's like you're traveling in a very precarious way mm-hmm. it's you you have a lot of holes in whatever method of uh, distribution that your thoughts and your actions are are, are, are passing through yeah. you know your your system your system of life like who you are, the way you think about things, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about other people, like that shapes all the results. Yeah. All the interactions that you have with people are shaped. It's one of the things that I've always said about like a lot of these uh, interactions that police officers have with, uh, with people. Like how many of these interactions would be completely different with a more calm police officer or a, better, a person who's better at handling people? And how many of them are shaped by someone who's just not that smart or too authoritarian or doesn't know how to read people well or doesn't know how to do, uh, broach a conversation well, or and then it goes some, bad. Or dealing with something in their own mind. Yes. So, yes. so they, dealing with something in their own mind. Like we talked about Limitless, didn't we, the movie, mm-hmm. where Bradley Cooper first takes the pill and he's talking to the Chinese lady on the top of the stairs. I think she's his landlady, is she, or something? Mm-hmm. She's going bananas. Right. She's going bananas at him, you know, talking rubbish. And um, she's, she's giving him lots of grief and blah, blah, blah. But it, when it, behind it all is something that was upsetting her. Right. Now, that, that's that's what you come across a lot in Timeline or in, 
in anything really is they're they're actually taught they're not really taught people are not their behaviours as a cliched NLP taught, uh, NLP chat but it, people are not NLP neuro linguistic neuro linguistic programming, programming yeah. what is that about um it's that's my, Anthony Robbins right uh, yeah Anthony Robbins and you know, John Grinder and uh, Richard Bandler were the first people to do it they modelled a hypnotherapist called uh, Milton Erickson mm-hmm. and they used Milton Erickson language uh, Milton Erickson was a very very good hypnotherapist and very very clever man indeed so yeah and, and, and it's some of that i use some of that some mm-hmm. of i don't you know but um you get you get as you get anything you understand this you know you you do your podcast and as you as you get more and more into it you get a feel of for it and that's what you do with my job with the mind coaches you get a feel of it. i don't always use hypnosis i do use hypnosis but not always because it's not always necessary it's getting people thinking reframing something and so we've thought of it like that and move that out the way and that's that changes people's opinions and and can we have massive effects on them so the more people you inter, uh, interact with the more people you apply these techniques to the better your understanding of how these techniques work yeah or the better understanding of people yeah i think you've got to be able to talk to people mm-hmm. as well doing this job I, yeah i think you've got to be able to ch- no i'm not saying i massively know loads of stuff but i know little bits about things you know mm-hmm. and I, I don't pretend to know about a lot of things but it's just about just being able to communicate with people and, and actually get them, you know, actually get them. People pretty much want the same things, you know what I mean? Everyone wants to live life as 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 exciting or, or as easy as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you've, and it's like, as, like I said before, it's just about language. It's just about deciphering the language, what they're actually talking. And not even really as easy as possible. Because a lot of people want a life full of adventure, but yeah. what they don't want to do is trip over themselves. Yeah. Like if you have a difficulty in, say, if you're going to climb a mountain, right? I would think that climbing a mountain is difficult enough. Yeah. It's hard. You have to figure out what way to grip. You have to have strong hands and strong feet. You have to have an, an overall awareness of your body and mm. balance, and you have to be physically fit enough to be able to pull yourself and climb up this mountain. If you're paralyzed with fear, if you are consumed with self-doubt, if you're overrun with guilt, if your body is just dealing with the minds, all the haunts of yeah. your past, that's that that compounds whatever difficulty and it makes it way worse. Yeah, well, that's what that's that's why you know people come to me after fights and the, you know the. They talk about the last fight. They're still involved in it. Yes. You know, they don't take the positives from it. And I say, take the positives and you'll blah, blah, blah. You know. But yeah. I mean, you, you, it's hard to say. It, well, it's it hard to do, rather. You see, see, a lot of things are easy to say and harder to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's go to the moon. Right. Busy. You know what I mean? It's it, And so it's just for me, it's like just just getting the, the person just to sometimes forget something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just move on and write, okay, that's up. What did you learn? I learned this, this, and this. Well, that's the point. That's what we, in you know, when we was doing timeline therapy, you know, there was things you learn from that situation that has got you here, mm-hmm. got you the UFC commentator, successful stand up, and all that. It's got you where you've got because of them things that, that moulded you. You know, some people do get consumed by fear, which is where I. That's what I like to change. You know, I like to change that. Yeah, there's. The, there's a big problem that a lot of people have where they define themselves by their past. Yeah. They look at their past. They don't think they could ever grow from that. They yeah. think that is who I am. Yeah. I'm that loser. I'm that guy who crashed his car. Yeah. I'm that guy that 
you know, whatever it was that, that yeah, haunts you. Yeah, my mum and dad never did it, so therefore, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like m- money is the root of all evil. Oh, if you have money, you're this, or, you know, you you know, you know, have to tread on people to be a success. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's just cliched sayings that just pop up from nowhere. Yeah, you know? that's a real weird one that comes up a lot, that almost like it's impossible to be successful and altruistic, that, you, that money is acquired only by stepping on other people yeah. and, and fucking over people. And anybody that's really big in business, get, like I, I read that once from uh, someone who's actually a very smart person. It said, show me someone who's really good in business and I guarantee you they fuck someone over. Yeah. And I'm like, that is a ridiculous, that's a, that's a yeah. scapegoat. Yeah, that's, that's a scapegoat for your own financial failure. Yeah, of course it is. I think the more money you get, the more money you have, the more people you can help. There's that for there sure. Is. There's more opportunity for yeah, sure. Yeah, and you make yeah, and, and I just that's what I believe. I don't believe in. And I think it's cliched. I think about money is to just to keep people down. Mm-hmm. I think that's that existed. You know what I mean? Is language to keep people down, to keep people just there, right. to keep them in the place. Well, it's also self, uh, like self-prescribed too. A lot of people do it to themselves. You, yeah. No one's doing it to you. You just yeah. want to. You want to give yourself a little excuse for not going after whatever your goals are or uh-huh. not pursuing whatever interests you actually have and just yeah. playing it safe. That playing it safe, I think a big part of that is what we were talking about earlier, is this this need to avoid any further pain. Yeah. You know, one thing, one thing you want to touch upon is, like, you're not allowed to like yourself. I mean, you know... <sighs> You're not allowed to be not a fan of yourself. I'm not, I mean, it's all right. You've got to have fun and like, laugh at yourself and not take yourself massively too seriously. But on the things that you want to be serious, you should be supporting yourself. Less than 100% support is sabotage, which is a saying, which I believe it's true. You know, if you're not supporting yourself, you're sabotaging not only you, but you're sabotaging everybody else around you. And I think people struggle with that, being being all right to themselves. You know, it's so easy to... You know, I'm shit and stupid and ugly, mm-hmm. blah, I'm fat, this, yeah. this, and this, and it's so easily swallowed that you, you know, people be, become used to it. Right. And I think, and then they want to be a success. It doesn't make sense. Now, I, I recently, that you know, this, the, you know, people that want to, to fight, and then they go, oh, I lost me fight, and blah, 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 and then you find out what they did onto the run up. Oh, what did you do? Oh, well, I got drunk two weeks before. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, what a fucking yeah. surprise. You know, if you're not living it, and if you're not you know, getting you know, you know, really immersing yourself in, in every way, in the language that you speak to yourself, and in the way that you do everything else. What do you expect? It's not, your, your mind's not going to support you if you don't support it. Yeah, that was one of the things that I, I felt when uh, John Jones tested positive for cocaine three weeks out of his mm. fight with Daniel Cormier. I was like, ooh, like he's not even. Uh, I look, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing. I don't know if there's anything wrong with doing cocaine. I just I don't think it's a positive drug, but some people enjoy it. Um, some people enjoy drinking. I enjoy drinking. I don't think that's a positive drug necessarily either. So I don't know because I don't have experience with cocaine, but that's not something you're supposed to be doing three weeks outside of a world title fight with one of the best wrestlers in the sport. Mm. One of the most difficult challenges you've ever faced in your professional career, and you're out doing blow just 21 days before. That's crazy. Yeah, sometimes the most talented uh, uh, take the gifts that they've been given and just abuse them in a way. I, I, met, because... I met John Jones. He's... Um, He's different, to say the least. In what way? Um, he's he's just he was he was uh, I don't know he was it was kind of I only met him briefly. Uh, where was it? I met him in Russia at the uh, Legend. There's a show there, and uh, yeah, he was just he was very sort of 
he was all over the place, bouncing around, and, and I just I just didn't expect him to be like that. Well, and what do you out. mean by all over the place, bouncing around? Uh, just he, he just said to me, "Hi, blue eyes." I was like, "Hello." <laughs> He's massive and dangerous, and I'm not. I was like, "Hi." I just found it a bit strange. Did Maybe he I read into, around with you. Um, I just found him different. Let's mm. just say that I just found him different, and I. But I'm trying to read into this. I, trying to figure I, out what and I'm saying. trying to avoid it <laughs> badly. No, yeah. I, I, I don't know him, but, mm-hmm. it, but I met. He was he was different. Let's put it that way, you know. But um, if if they if someone, I don't know, you don't know what's going on in his life, and it, you know you don't know what's going on in his life, and you could say that about everyone. You could say that about a serial killer, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't know what's going on in his life. It's not right. his fault, you know. Really, I mean, there is some things that you shouldn't do. And you know, he shouldn't be doing it, but this. Well, a reason. if you listen to John's coaches, they will tell you that John surrounds himself with the wrong people. And John is uh, an extremely talented guy. Oh, amazingly talented. Like maybe one of the most talented guys to ever compete in a sport. Yeah. And incredibly strong mentally, too. Because despite all of his issues with maybe not preparing as well as he could, when the chips are down... That guy gets through things. He yeah. overcomes adversity. He's not a front runner. Well, he's the one that broke his toe, isn't he? That was mm-hmm. horrific. So he's got yeah, it. But him. he didn't even realize that was happening. That that happened actually uh, in the final flurry where he right. stopped Chael Sonnen. A more impressive performance is when he fought Vitor Belfort. Right. Vitor completely hyperextended his arm, and he would not tap. Right. You know, it was for his title. Vitor came that close. Was it for the title? I believe it was. It might have been a non-title fight. But Vitor came... Find out if that was a title fight or non-title fight. Either way, Vitor came that close to legitimately beating yeah. John Jones. That close. Got a fully locked-in armbar that would have made 90% of the professional fighters in the world tap. Well, that's what makes him who he is. Yeah. But he, but then he, but he couldn't say no to... It was a title s- fight? Yeah, Jamie just looked it but up. But he couldn't say no to, to some blow? I well, mean, he could say no. He want, didn't want to say no. He didn't want exactly. He didn't want to say no. So there's, there's some sort of... I don't know whether it's weakness. I don't know. There's, but there's some sort of... Weakness, but is it weakness that, or? Well, like, that's what I said. I don't know whether it is or whether it's not. Yeah. It shouldn't be something you should be doing. It's, a, but obviously. it's also indulgence. It's yeah. like he likes to party, you know. But then there's, isn't there also the issue that fighters, in particular, especially guys that have had a lot of hard gym sessions and a lot of hard fights, they have impulse control problems. Yeah, and those impulse control problems. I'm obviously not a scientist or a doctor, but when you talk to neurologists and neuroscientists, Mm. they will tell you that there are direct correlations between head impacts and poor impulse control. Right. It is absolutely a a direct impact. And I, you know, not looking for a scapegoat in my own life, but I've looked back at some of the poor decision making that I've done in my life, particularly in my fighting times, like back then. And I was like, I wonder if a lot of that was getting hit in the head a lot. Mm. Like... Like, it can't be good yeah. to get kicked in the head. It's just no. never good. It's not the best, It's is just it? not good. And so if you've been kicked in the head or punched in the face or whatever, you know, any kind of impact. And that's the thing about football players are saying now is it even a shot to the chest, mm. even getting tackled, like someone rams at you and slams their shoulders into your chest, the brain gets jostled around. Yeah. You, you might not have a bruise on your face, but your brain is receiving essentially the same impact as a punch. Yeah. Especially the crazy. massive. Yes. You know, it's a shame. You know, it, a lot of people might not like this, but it is a shame that John Jones has gone like that. Do you know what I mean? Because he's got to look back on him. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got to look back on him and think, fuck. You know? Well, he's also got to figure out what it is that he took. You know, they, they don't even exactly, they haven't isolated what he took. But the whole lifestyle, it's, it's cer- most certainly an issue. And it's almost like one of those things where you say you don't know what you got until it's gone. Well, it was kind of gone for a little while, but not really. He was always still in the mix, and there was always multi-million dollar fights awaiting. And then he fought over in St. Preux, so he's back in the mix, and everything's looking good. He's slated to fight at UFC 200 against Daniel Cormier. He's going to make like 10 million bucks. It's going to be giant, and then whoosh. Mm. It's gone for something that if you talk to people that are experts in performance enhancing drugs they'll yeah. tell you that this clomiphene is what he got popped for which is an anti-estrogen um, supplement that's not even beneficial mm-hmm. the only time that stuff's beneficial is essentially when you're coming off of steroids mm. but yet he didn't test positive for steroids before or after so it could have been a tainted supplement it could have been a mistake it could have been who knows what wacky shit he was taking i mean i don't know i just think that you know, people forget that they lack, that sometimes you've still got to have guidance, mm-hmm. you know? You've still got to have a guide, and you know, to just say, look, is that the best thing you should be doing? Or someone to talk to, you know what I mean? It's that, that's not going to be high-fiving you because you're going to, you know, stick a load of bugle up your nose. Isn't it harder, though, like, I think, for champions, because once they, like, dominate someone and kick someone's ass, like, say, if you fight the, the most difficult fight of your career, you fight... You know, uh, whether it's Daniel Cormier, whoever it is, you dominate him, you win in a beautiful fashion, and then, you know, you're like, God damn it, I am the fucking man. Yeah. And then you just want to do whatever you want to do after that. And it's indulgence and yeah. chaos. and Yeah, there is, but it comes to bite you on the ass. Yeah. All the time. It does, but God damn it, it is a fucking story that plays itself out yeah. over and over and over and over and over. And there's a bunch of these distraction stories. Like the Ronda Rousey story is ultimately a story of distraction. Mm. I mean, here's this woman who is just a freak, right? A completely dominant female ass kicker. Something that we've never had before. I mean, you know, we had like female fighters before. Like you remember Christy Martin was sort of a... Yeah, yeah. Like there was like a little bit of it with Layla Ali. People were kind of paying attention to her, but... No one was paying attention to anyone, even remotely on the scale of Ronda Rousey. Mm. But what happens then? Well, all of a sudden, Hollywood opens up its doors. You start doing movies. You get all these offers. You're the darling of talk shows. You're in fucking commercials all the time. Everybody wants to kiss your ass. And there's people that are coming up all around you that are assassins. Yeah. And they're not getting all this attention. They're Mm. just hungry. They're not like Holly Holm when she fought Ronda was a massive underdog. Meantime, meanwhile, she was a 19-time world boxing champion. She was yeah. a far more accomplished striker than yeah. Ronda. And Ronda fought the exact wrong fight when you're fighting a 19-time world boxing champion. Yeah. Whereas Misha Tate fought the exact right fight. Yeah. Stay on the outside, barely, yeah. barely engage her with strikes. Yeah. Just push her, push her, but back up, push her and back up, push uh-huh. her, constantly move, constantly vary your approach. And then when you get a hold of her, make it count. And she did that in the second round, and then ultimately she did it in the fifth round and submitted her. And that's what won her the fight. The difference between someone who has everything to gain like that, someone who's hungry, and then the fucking mindset of someone who becomes super successful, like a Mike Tyson in his prime. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, just you just start yeah. fucking off. You start believing that no one's going to beat your ass, and then you fight Buster Douglas with very little training, and he fucking puts that leather to your face. And reality hits you when that referee's standing over you counting. You realize, oh, this is happening to me now. Yeah. I could... it's, 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 it must be difficult, and it, it mustn't be easy. But fighting's not easy, is it? No, it's definitely not no, easy. I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday. We went out to some Thai restaurant with some friends from Brian Dobler's gym, who's my mate, my mate I've come to see over here. And we're just talking, and we're talking about fighting. Fighting's so hard. Not only you, you, you know, you're nervous, scared or whatever, your corner's screaming at you, you hear their corner screaming shit, you're thinking, what are they telling him? You're in the crowd if you're not, if you're not zoned in properly, and it's, it's not easy. And, it, you know, when fighters, you know, all of a sudden they, they find something, they might not have been the hardest kid at school, they might not have been, you know, the most popular, all of a sudden, you know, after a few fights, it just seems like whack, like John Jones or, or Ronda, and all of a sudden you're in this loads of money and people are paying you attention that you know wouldn't have talked to you at school and stuff like that it's it, it mustn't be easy but, yeah, but nevertheless you still got some you've still got i think that you know you've got to maintain the rules you've got to it, abide the rules you have to have someone who helps you yeah. i think every fighter i mean I, don't, I shouldn't say every fighter because some kind of figure it out on their own there's some guys that don't seem to fall into those traps but mm -hmm. Most fighters can use some sort of guidelines, yeah. and there's also these facilitators that manifest themselves in your life. These people that want to make your life easier so they can be a part of your life. Yeah. So they want to bring over girls, they want to bring over booze, or they want to get you in the club. They want to, they they want to like, hey, this is that that guy that he's going to set everything up for you. I'll take care of it. And what they're doing is these guys are they get into your life. Mm. And the way they get into your life is by making things easier for yeah. you so they could be a part of the, yeah. you know, Mike Tyson camp or whatever yeah. it is. And then next thing you know, you've got this entourage of 20 people hanging around you, and most of them are just fucking idiots. You and don't know who they are. And you're paying for their, their existence. Yeah. You're funding their existence, and what they do is they hold doors open for you, and they check you into hotel rooms. They do all these things that you could do on your own, and they sort of make it easier. And in making it easier, they sort of defined what is okay yeah and then like you know no big deal we're just gonna go party you're gonna fuck this guy up anyway man let's go hit the club and then next thing you know you're out late at night not getting rest your coach is texting you are you in bed you know yeah and you're not because you're hanging around with these fucking klingons and, and then when you've lost they vanish they vanish yeah they, then you've lost you vanish and then you've got to pick up the pieces mm -hmm. and that, that's that's an interesting what i'd like to do is I'd like to people for me to be able to hire me, obviously, to be able to talk to them. You know, not just use hypnosis, but to talk to say, this is on my mind, well, this, this and this. You know, to, to, to put a, a block on before they do something mm -hmm. that's fucking stupid. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to do that. And I think I do that anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I just, it's, it's difficult. difficult. Well, it's, it's difficult to make it stick. Yeah. Like, if you have a good idea in your head about, like, you know what I need to do with my life? I need to eat healthy, I need to exercise, and I need to follow my dreams. Okay, good. Right now. That's a, that's a good thought right now. But how do you keep that? How do you make it stick? And that's a big issue with people. They go up and they go down. I mean, how ridiculous are New Year's resolutions? How many people have come to you after New Year's and they're, they're like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm not going to eat any unhealthy food. And then you see them... Like a couple of weeks later, they look great. Well, yeah. you're sticking to it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, well, that's Congratulations. Health clubs make the money, isn't it? And then health five clubs. months later, they're fat again and yeah. they're looking stupid. And that's it's so normal. 
Well, that's it's how health so clubs, mate. Common. The money, isn't it? Yes. Health clubs go, right, you join in January, you get right. free January, and then you blah, 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 and they go, yeah, I don't have any joining fee, and then mm. they join, that's it, New Year, New Me. Yeah. January, this third. New me. Yeah, that's new what they say. Me. New Year, New Me. Yeah. And then they just like, January the third. Oh well, blah blah blah. Can't be asked. Or I was listening to this path Ted, of least resistance. I was listening to this TED talk. It was a TED podcast, and in this, uh, it was also a TED talk where they're talking about time and the way people perceive time, and the way people perceive time, they always perceive that they are now a finished product. This is like a big thing that people like to do. Yeah. They're like they look at themselves like, well, you know, when I was twenty, I didn't know shit, but now that I'm thirty. I got it together. And then when they're 40, they go, well, when I was 30, I thought I knew something, but now I know things. And they always want to think that they're done growing. But what this podcast was sort of emphasizing is that people are in a constant state of change and evolution. Yeah. If you're thinking about things, yeah. you know, the expression, no one's perfect. Mm. It's true. No one mm. is perfect. So if, in fact, you're not perfect, that means you're considering whatever you've done that maybe you could have done better yeah. or maybe you could have handled better or maybe you could have thought about in a better way mm -hmm. or a more beneficial way. And then you grow and learn from that experience. Yeah. In a constant state of flux. You know, I'm, I'm a different person as I was. I was here nearly spot on a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I've learned more and changed and, and had different opinions. And I think if you read anything or you, you know, because we've got YouTube, We've got the likes of you, you know, with Rhonda Patrick and about turmeric. Um, that I learned from from listening to you and listening to other people and off Facebook and I got turmeric user group because they said I got arthritis in my foot, went to the doctors, can't do anything, just have to pay, take paracetamol. What is and that? It's your arthritis from kickboxing? Yes. Yeah, Ballet dancing or whatever I used You're to do. Ballet dancing? No, I was lying. <laughs> I can't dance. <laughs> Don't be sad about dancing. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's yeah, some whatever. Anyway, that's a real people. common one, right? With yeah. uh, ankles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I just the doctor said, you know, you know, you've that's it, basically. You take paracetamol. So I put it on Facebook. What is paracetamol? Paracetamol is a, a painkiller. Oh, Paracetamol. Shit. So I just thought, you know what? And you, you know, you can't keep taking ibuprofen. I remember you saying to Joe about ibuprofen. Mm. It causes inflammation anyway. So I, I put it on Facebook and said, Does anyone got an experience with arthritis? One of my friends, Lee Fraser, can't praise him enough, to be honest. Thanks, Lee. He said he takes turmeric. So I started researching it. You'd mentioned it to Joe. Where curcumin, cur yeah. curcumin is yeah. the, uh, that's active, the active ingredient. ingredient. Yeah. So I, I looked on uh, turmeric user group mm -hmm. and then they said this thing about golden paste, which is turmeric, black pepper and um, coconut oil. You cook it for seven minutes with water, make a paste of it. And um, you can look on Facebook, turmeric user group, and you, you, you basically take that. It's, it, I've, I've been taking it regularly and there's no pain. No pain whatsoever. So it's it's brilliant. It's it's information. So you grind up the turmeric? No, you you you're taking it in a, in a supplement form, or are you getting it from a root? No, you the get, root you itself. Get, you get turmeric. The you root. Just get turmeric. No, yeah, the powder. Okay, so you're not and getting. You know, you could buy the root. The root yeah. is really common now. It's yeah. really interesting. Not in Liverpool. Not in Liverpool. No. <laughs> no, don't, no, not really. Do you have shitty uh, supermarkets over there? Mm. I mean, we are, I'm not going to slag Aldi off or anything like that, you know. But what we is are, Aldi? Uh, it's a supermarket. Oh, okay. But slag no, is another one. Slag it off. Talking rubbish. So, <laughs> but so no, the powder works, and you know, you just I'm not don't know the actual 
you know, measurements of it. But say it's um, a, a cup of water, half a cup of turmeric. You cook it for seven minutes on a low heat till it can start to get into a paste. Mm-hmm. You add black pepper, like maybe two teaspoons. Why of it. pepper? Um, because it's an active ingredient. It, it makes it. I think it makes it four hundred times more absorbable into your body. Really? Yeah. Wow. Black pepper. Yeah, this thing called pepperine. Huh. Yeah. And why does it have to be cooked? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to do. I could how, lie. Yeah, well, how because... bad does it taste when you eat it? Not the best. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but the, the thing is, it's like, what would you rather have? Pain or, oh, that was horrible. Yeah, no, listen, water. I'm the king of drinking disgusting things. Yeah. I drink a lot of shitty things. Um, but it does work. A lot work. of people have tried my really kale is. shake recipe and almost vomited. I have a um, friend who, I have a friend called um, Nathan Wright, and he, his hands, he said he couldn't, his hands were that bad with, with arthritis that he couldn't, you know, spray deodorant, said he stunk, and that's his words, not mine. And then he, he started taking this turmeric paste, and he's fine. He's, he's, he's come like 80, 90% better. I mean, come on. Do you use fish oil, and have you altered your diet? Me? Yes. Yes, yes I do take a lot, a lot of fish oil. How much yeah. do you take? Um... I take two massive tablespoons of it okay. when I'm at home. That's great. But because I've been in the States, I, 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 thought I, I was taking five capsules with water. Mm-hmm. And okay. I was taking uh, ubiquinol. What's uh, ubiquinol? Uh, coenzyme Q10, but it's, okay. a, it's a little bit of higher level one. And um, yeah, and, and my mates, me, my, my friend now, Aaron, has just got this turmeric and arnica tie oil type stuff called mm-hmm. Three Leopards Liniment, liniment that I've. You know, see, you, you're going to trial, and that I had a massage of it yesterday. Well, let's, let me clear up your words there. Thai liniment is what you're saying. Yes, it, yeah. it, it smells the same as Thai oil. If well, any, let if me explain to people what that it. is. Yeah, that's, your best dad. That's a liniment that Thai fighters would use yeah. for sore muscles yeah. and things along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it smells like wintergreen, you yeah. know, with menthol and and stuff like that. I don't know what's in or it. Or tiger balm was a big yeah, one. That, a bit like that, but it's, it's it's. What does that stuff do? It's very good. Um, Arnica it, gets rid of bruises. I'm only showing you. <laughs> Arnica gets rid of bruises and... But how? Does it really uh, work? Uh, well, it, I, I, I've only just started using it, but as far as I'm concerned, I, I liked it. Look, um, I have a friend who's a doctor, and he told me that all that stuff like Bengay, mm. and I go, oh, that stuff makes you feel better. He goes, mm. He goes, it's a topical analgesic. I go, right. what does that mean? He goes, it makes your skin red. Oh. It makes you feel like a lot's mm. happening, you know, like you had heat there, it feels good, but... He goes, in order for that stuff to absorb deeply into your system, into your, into your, get into your tissue, he's like, it would have to get into your bloodstream mm-hmm. and then it would be toxic. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> but it feels you. good when you take like one of those, uh, some tiger bomb. I have these patches that I'll put on. Like if I have a muscle pull or something yeah. like that, I'll put a tiger bomb patch on it. And it somehow or another relaxes it in some sort of a way, but yeah, it might be psychological. What, that's what the oil does, whether it's mm-hmm. psychological or not. I says, I like it. it smells nice. Mm. It smells like my normal smell. So this anyway. um, Arnica Thai liniment stuff yeah. that your friend uses, yeah. it's turmeric as well? Yeah, turmeric as well, yeah. So yeah. He, and he, he, there's loads of spiel on it, you know, and mm-hmm. on the bottle, but I'm just one of these people. Me, oh, try it. You know, and I, I had a massage of it yesterday, and I feel... Relaxed. Well, they say that most of the issues that people have, whether even like a lot of diseases, they stem from inflammation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of inflammation is caused by diet. It's caused by, you know, just eating bad food yeah. and not being healthy. And so your body has this reaction to this food. And it's an inflammatory reaction. Yeah. It's, um, 
It's certainly not easy what, what you find out what gives you inflammation and what doesn't. And I mm. think I don't, I don't know. I think it must vary from person to person. Yes, it's it sensitive to does. certain things and you know and, and allergies, different things. But the, the golden paste, the, the turmeric thing, has worked brilliant for me. I yeah. can't I can't praise it enough. That's interesting. And so, how quickly did it take? Like, what, how long did it take before it was like like you were really rock solid with it? Where you realized um, that this is really beneficial. Honestly, for you? about two days. Two days. Honestly. That's honestly. incredible. And I was I was really Are you pissed. working for the turmeric industry? I am. I was really, yeah, yeah. And so. you can buy this. No, I, I was really pissed off because the doctor went, well, there's nothing you can do. And sometimes you say to the doctor, oh, I think I've got this, that, and the other. And because they think that you're self-diagnosed and they think, mm, <laughs> no, you're not. Right. You know, they're sort of like, a, well, you know, and just sort of, and I, I just said, look, you know, and she said, well, it's, it's arthritis. You know, you just paracetamol. And I didn't want that. Right. You know, I didn't want that. And then when I put on on Facebook, which is a good tool for, for sometimes for getting information, like it, the internet is, and, mm-hmm. it, and it worked a treat. And then they got into this group, and, yeah, it was brilliant. And it's worked for me fantastically well. Yeah, you have to sort of separate the bullshit from the reality. Yeah. But if you can do that, you can definitely find a lot of stuff online. And this, yeah. it's, it's confusing to me when doctors dismiss uh, dietary solutions. Yeah. You know, because very few doctors are really well educated in nutrition. Yeah. And especially educated in the understanding of the me- mechanisms involved mm-hmm. in absorbing nutrients. Yeah. And what compounds or accentuates uh, nutrition absorption. Yeah. And what's beneficial. There's so f- so many doctors who just, they, they, they poo-poo it because they don't understand it. They have no knowledge of it. Well, my friend, when, it, when, when he took turmeric, he went to the doctors, and the doctor was saying, you know, you're going to take these uh, whatever, aliprinol, I think it is. And he said to him, right, you have to take this. And he, and, he, and he went, oh, it's I've stopped having the... Because he had a regular, regular checkup. He had gout really badly. Mm-hmm. And he went in, and then, and then the doctor said, he said, oh, I've been taking turmeric. And he said to me, he said to the, doc, the doctor, said, well, I have heard of that, but it's not been tested. Turmeric's not been yeah. tested. He said, he said, well, I have heard it works, but it's not been tested. So they're aware, I think. I think they're aware. I don't want to piss on doctors. But has some it of been them are tested? Brilliant, are there no. double-blind, placebo-controlled studies from any major university that shows the beneficial effects of turmeric? Or it is it just... doesn't probably make any money, does it, turmeric? Well, it should. You know? I mean, it seems like it should, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't there yeah. a, a massive industry in helping people with inflamed, inflamed tendons? The problem with those things is you can't control it. Like, if you do mm. a study on... You know, whatever, fill in the blank, uh, just Tylenol or something like that. Yeah. Someone created Tylenol, yeah. right? So if you do a study on Tylenol and you show it shows its efficacy, yeah. then you can sell more of it. Yeah. But if you do a study on turmeric, I'm like, great, glad, thanks for funding the study. I'm going to go sell it now. Yeah. And I'm going to point to your study and I'm going to make a ton of money off of your study and I can just grow it in my backyard. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the problem with well, then, marijuana, and it's the and it's a problem with any sort of it's been it's a survey because yes. mm, it's like hundred people surveyed. I've never been asked about it. Or well, it's not. On. We're not talking about surveys. We're talking about double blind placebo controlled studies on inflammation. Yeah. If they did something along those lines, like one of the big issues that's going on with medical marijuana is the pushback from pharmaceutical companies that are trying to stop medical marijuana from becoming legal nationwide and they, they've halted at least delayed the su- Supreme Court's changing of the designation mm. from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 2 in this country. Yeah. Schedule 1 shows no medicinal value whatsoever. That's where marijuana is. Meanwhile, marijuana is passed as a medical uh, supplement in I don't know how many states now. I think it's like 20. 
and it's legal in four or five states now. It's legal in Washington, D.C., it's legal in Colorado, it's legal in Washington State, it's legal in Oregon, uh, just recreationally. Yeah. So it's obviously, there's some benefit of it medically if all these doctors are prescribing it. It shows massive reduction in tumors with the use of CBD. It helps control pain. Rick Simpson oil. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's um, incredible how much benefit there is in this one plant. But yet the pushback from the pharmaceutical industry is still incredibly strong because they don't... They, I, I posted something really recently um, how much money the pharmaceutical there was a, a, a chart that showed how much money the pharmaceutical industry t stands to lose if medical cannabis is made legal nationwide mm. and readily available it's billions of dollars every year they're gonna lose because all these solutions that they offer there's better simpler simpler and far cheaper solutions with cannabis especially because it's one of the easiest things to grow yeah. I mean, a lot of people grow their own tomatoes in their backyard or things like that. Like pot, you, all you do is plant it, throw some water on it, it's done. It's not in England. Not in England? <laughs> no, it won't see, grow? It won't grow unless you get, well, I don't know. Why? It rains there I, all the time. I, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not, we're not the best weather, have we? You know what I mean? I so guarantee you weed will grow in England. Yeah, but if you had, a tent, and, uh, you had a tent and some, some lights. and Let's try it and film it live. Here's Shawman getting arrested live. <laughs> How how illegal how illegal is pot in in uh, England? Um, I think you can get um, you can get arrested. You can I don't know. So stupid. I'm not very good with with being dangerous. Meanwhile, you everybody's know? drunk. Yeah. I've never seen more drunk people. Yeah, in well, that's it. That's all we do. God damn you, people love to drink. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. but you're good at it. That's one other thing. I I'm not. But I'm English rubbish. people are way better at being drunk. Yeah, I think that I, I'm rubbish at drinking. I'm, you I'm are? just oh god, yeah, you awful. Are? Yeah, what I'm happens? The, I'm Start just, crying? Do you sing? I cry, sing, dance. Hug think people I'm you 23. shouldn't hug? Yeah, Hang just, on too long? Yeah, and just memory <laughs> loss, you know, vomit, you know, the usual yeah. the usual stuff. that. I, but, you know, I, I don't know, with, with, with cannabis, and I don't take it, but, I mean, to, to see what's going on, I think, believe, I believe that there's a cure for everything on the planet. I think we've, we, there's loads of stuff that we haven't mm. explored. The mind as well. I just think it's, there's loads of stuff to explore yet. The mind is a fascinating solution to a lot of issues that people have. And thinking positive or thinking negative or worry and the stress. And we were talking earlier about yeah. cortisol yeah. and the stress response to literally thinking about something affects your physical health. Mm -hmm. And thinking about things in the wrong way yeah. affects your physical health. Yeah. And we got, we got, I think we got more things to worry about. We, I think we've got more things to worry about now, but they're actually not anything to worry about. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. You know, you look at Facebook and you get mad over someone's fucking an idiot. Aim Some and, Trump supporter. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> I don't know anything about that. And you start typing something. What am I doing that? When you get involved in something or you get angry about something, I do it. You know, I'm not going to lie. And you just think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And I think years ago when you and the, the caveman was only worried about if they're going to get, something's going to eat them or they've got to eat something. And I think that might have been easier. Of course, he died of diseases and he died, may have died younger or whatever. But, I mean, I bet they lived a more and peaceful life. They in their didn't own have life. Facebook, though. They didn't have That's Facebook. That's part of the or problem. They didn't, even, they didn't have anything to look at. And they didn't have comments on uh, YouTube like uh, right. John Wayne Parr was saying. He, he was getting... Oh, he gets mad. Yeah, but, I mean, I just... <laughs> I, I got the same. I got also... I was called Varys of uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Which I, I was quite pleased about. I was like, oh, I'll take Lord Varys. He's yeah, got no penis. Nothing wrong with that. No. And I, but I just think, you know, I don't get it. Mm. Uh, some things I don't get. I don't get 
haters. I don't understand them. But don't you, though? Because when we were talking about all these different things that happen in life that sort of set you up for the next stages of life and define you and and sort of alter and affect your decision-making process and your behavior process, don't you think that a lot of these people just live very unfortunate existences? And whether it's by chance or whether it's by bad decision making that has just compounded itself over the years when you see some of the hateful things that people posted about let's say john wayne parr who's the nicest mm. guy yeah indeed and, he's a brilliant guy and multiple time world yeah. muay thai champion incredibly accomplished his wife's nice his kids are great fantastic know? his kid's so cool by the way there's a video of his kid hitting the pads you want to see something impressive his kid is fighting. I think she's fighting yeah. on the 20th. Uh, 20th. Jazzy, yeah. yeah. Jazzy. And uh, he sent me this video of her hitting the pads. And you're like, holy shit. She can shit. sing and everything, you know. His yeah. son can do flips. Oh, yeah. They're like a ninja family. Yeah, they're, you know, they're pretty incredible. They're great. I His went, wife was a fighter as well. And I went over there and stayed with them. You know, I went to their show. And I listen, nothing but respect for John Wayne Pye. He's a lovely, lovely yeah. guy. And he's got a great sense of humor as well. You know, do not take himself too seriously. No, he's, he's very self-deprecating. He's very yeah. aware of how good he is, but he's also very self-deprecating. Yeah. Like, watch this. Here, let's watch this video. This is her. What happened? What'd you do? You changed the screens. Did your computer fail? She's in Thailand, and this girl is like, what is she, 10? Yeah, something like that. Now that's their gym in, in Australia, in Boonchu. That's their gym. Oh, okay. Oh, there's another one. Uh, there's one that I looked at that was different. It was on YouTube. Oh, she's 13 years old. Okay. Okay. But m- the point is, you know, there's people that hate on this guy, and they, they're not well. No. Like, they're not happy. They're not looking at him and going, you fucking loser. They're not, like, finding a reason why he's a lo- They're just trying to find mm. a reason. I got it. I got one about a hypnotherapist saying, oh, he knows nothing. It's like, right, okay. When, when did you get this? Oh, just one of the comments, you know. And I was just like, and he was like, yeah, you know nothing about hypnosis. I'm like, right, well, I'm here and you're not. Sorry, what you know does what I mean? mean? You know nothing. You know about nothing, so... and you know nothing about Darren Brown and all that. I've only been to see him three times. Read all his books, and he's an amazing, amazing guy. And I know that. You know what I mean? But I just, I just think you'll get whatever you get. Right. Whatever you do, I, I deem this. Like I think Joe, Joe Schilling said, Jesus was great. You'd invite him to a party. You could turn this water into wine. He could, hey, your granddad dead. Don't worry, Bing. We'll bring him back to life. You broke your leg. There you go. You know, we'll go fishing, catch all the fish. He was a great guy. They still killed him. You know, you, you're going to get people who are going to hate you just because. It's more about them than it is about you. It is more about them than it is about you. That is a, that's a big factor yeah. with online interaction yeah. with people. What you're, what you're doing is you're interacting with their own past and their own failures. Yeah. And the, the, the vast majority of people in this life are not living fulfilled and happy existences. Faceless assassins. 
aren't they? The faceless assassins, really, like snipers of nothingness. Oh, you mean commenters? Yeah, but yeah. they're not really faceless, right? Like, at the end of the day, if you get to who they really are and what's really bothering them, they're no different than you or I. They just, they got a fucked up start in this life and they never recovered. Yeah. That's what most of it is. You're turning into me. No, I've always been like this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a whole uh, video I did uh, on YouTube, uh, Be the Hero of Your Own Movie. Yeah, I've seen I it. It's very if, good. If you were in a movie... And the movie started right now, and you're a fucking failure. Just think about where your life's at. What would the hero do? Yeah. What would you do? do Have that. you seen the Idris Elba one? No. My friend Warren Brown works with Idris Elba. He's on a TV show called See Luther. the new 007? Did they make him 007? A lot of white people are freaking out. Oh, I, don't care. I don't care as long as he has vodka, <laughs> martini, shaken, not stirred. I don't care what colour he is. But, I do, but he, mm. he was, uh, yeah, Warren, he works with him, and he's doing a show now uh, for Discovery, and he's training to be a kickboxer. He's going to have a fight. Idris is? Yes. He's going to fight? Yeah. Who's he fighting? Uh, I, I don't know yet. How old is he? He's, I think he's 42. And he's going to have his first ever kickboxing yeah, fight? Yeah, my friend Kieran Kettle, um, Jesus he, he's training He's training him, and they've been all over. It's a show with Discovery. I was meant to be on it and be the mind coach for the show, but I, I don't know what happened. Is there any video of him training? Uh, not yet. No, but, uh, but, uh, not see yet. if you can find something, Jamie. But Warren, Warren, who was on the show with him, this video in, in he found it already. Oh right, have you got How it. How dare yeah? you? Not yet, me. I'm sorry. Here, here he is. Oh, Let right. me see. Oh Jesus! That's Daniel Sam as well, from uh, England. Not bad. A little stiff. It's hard to see. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Someone's gonna tell him to keep his fucking hands up. Look at his kicks, though. Not too bad. Not too bad. If you stand right in front of him, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> he's game, though. He's game. Yeah, well, he's listen, game. he's got to be if he's actually going to have a fight. Yeah, he's game. God, he's so off balance, though. Right when I say that, he falls. It's like you're watching It's his fundamentals. It's almost like he really shouldn't be hitting pads here. If I was coaching a guy like that, I would tell him, all I want you to do is touch these things. This video's over so five years old. So five years old. Oh, so he's gotten better. Yeah, yeah, he, has, yeah, yeah, yeah he has, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, man, that's really good then. If that's five years ago and he's been steady at it since then, that's really good. Because he's got, like, some basic movements down, yep. the way he's throwing his weight into things. He just, you know, try, guys try to hit things hard before they learn how to hit things right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, because his friend who was in it, in Luther, the, the other de detective, was Warren Brown, mm -hmm. who's my mate, my friend. He won two world titles in Thai boxing. Oh. So I think they've been talking about it, and Warren's been helping him, and Kieran's been helping him, but it should be a good show, because you see all of him, you see him training, and between movies, like he's made one with Spielberg, right. The Dark Tower or something with Matthew and Where is he going to fight? I don't know. When? I, th I think maybe in Thailand. I actually don't in know. In Thailand? Yeah, I think so. Jesus, well, he's going can, deep. I know. So he's going so he's for, to give him respect, Muay man. Thai rules, the whole deal. I think he's fighting K1 rules, which, oh, okay. which would no be, a, I think, damn sight easier right. to learn. So you don't get elbowed in the yeah, face and get yeah, cut and up. Yeah, clinch and all that yeah. sort of business. But you got to give give him respect. I like that. Fuck I think, yeah. And I like the way he's testing himself. But mm -hmm. he did a, he's done a, a video on uh, YouTube about life and that and how he envisioned himself doing this, that. I knew I really like that. I was gutted when I weren't part of the show. I really wanted to do that. I was when you excited. went what? I was gutted. You were gutted when yeah. what happened? I don't I was know what word you just said. Uh, I was disappointed. I gutted when I went this. What, <laughs> what did you just say? It's part and parcel. That's what I kept saying last time. I was uh, upset, gutted. G you were means, upset yeah, when, cause, cause I, when what? 
as I was going to be part of the show. Oh, you were going to be part of it. They were going to use me as a mind okay. coach, you know, because fighters have right. mind coaches Got now. It. But anyway, logistically, it didn't work and stuff like that. But I mean, you wish him all the best and Kieran and everyone on the show. It'll be brilliant. So I'll who's coaching him? Kieran Kettle. Oh, from CSA? Uh, no, Kieran. No, it's Kieran. Oh, okay. Kieran, Kieran Kettle. He's from England. Yeah. K- K- Kieran from CSA is yeah. an Irish gentleman, right? What is his last Kyrian. name? I don't know if he's... Kieran. Kieran, I don't know. He's second name. Forget his last name. What's his second name? Fitzgibbons. Fitzgibbons. Yeah. Fitzgibbons. Yeah, he's a good coach. He coaches Zoila, doesn't he? And um, Kevin Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good coach. And Gaston Balanos. Right. Who's right, very right. good. Yeah, very good. Have you seen the fight between Mohamed Jiraiya and Nordin Banmo? No. Can you flash it up? Right now? Would you like Spell to? it out. Uh, yeah. Jiraiya is J A R A Y A. No, J J A R A Y A. V Benmo B A N M O H. He's only he just watched the third round. Look at his face. He didn't get a word of that. I could tell. <laughs> Spell it out slowly. J A R A Y A versus Benmo B E N M O H. I'm writing it with my finger. M O H. Is that yes. what you said? Yeah, the Moroccan. Did you say H or H? H. Why do you say H? H. Is that how you guys say H? Yeah. H? H. You guys do that too with Z. You say Z. Yeah, we do. What the fuck is that? We do. I don't know. We invented it. But that's what I understand. How did it get abandoned? You need to to keep up. Like, there seems to be like some disconnect between some of the words. Like, tires. You guys use a Y in tires. And color with no have you in it. You guys have have a U in color. What the fuck is that about? Do you have extra U's laying around? Yeah, we just throw this in. Why, did, why is tire T-Y-R-E-S? I haven't got a foggiest. Who invented tires? I think we did. So you might want to fuck off. Oh, right, I'll go now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you want me to see about this fight? The, this fight is this. one of the best kickboxing fights I've <clears throat> ever seen in my life. Really? It's when was this? It's absolutely ridiculous. It was uh, last year. Oh, on Infusion. Watch. I'm not, it's because I <clears throat> commentate on I work for these. But these two knock the proverbial holes out of each other. May 27th. Is it yeah. March? March 27th? February 27th. Oh, okay. Not what February. is MCH? What does that sign? Oh, it's the... Okay. I see what you're saying. So in uh, <clears throat> round... Just put round three on. You get, and N-Fusion is with an E, folks. E-N-F-U-S-I-O-N is a Muay Thai organization in, yes. in Europe? In Yeah, in Holland. In um, Holland. Yeah, and they're doing a 200,000 euro um, tournament. Uh, in September the 17th but this kid Jiraiya's 19 and uh, it's absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous fight wow okay I'll check it out yeah do so I'll check it out I'm a, a, obviously a big fan of kickboxing and I'm uh, I'm super psyched that Glory is going to put on Badr Hari versus Rico this. Verhoeven yeah. if Badr Hari could stay out of jail <laughs> yeah no he's not in jail <laughs> He's not in jail. He's not out. right now. He's out. No, he's not, not right, right now, now. But this is a long time between now and December. Well, we'll see. Uh, who do you think? Who he you makes. Pick? He makes John Jones look like a fucking <laughs> choir boy. I know, true, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. <coughs> who do you? Who, who would you say? Well, it's it's an interesting fight. I it mean, is. for sure, Botter can win. For sure, Rico can win. Rico's been much more active. Mm-hmm. Rico has incredible cardio. If you go to the Botter Hari that beat. Alistair Overeem in the rematch, you know, you go to that Botter, you know, yeah. the Botter who was in his peak. Yeah. I mean, Botter was a monster. Yeah. But it's been a long time, and he's not been very active over the last few years. And it's he's which a... Botter that turns up, isn't it? What's that? It's which Botter turns up. It's which Botter turns up, but it's also, like, all of the legal issues that he's gone through, all the... the, the 
the behavioral issues. I mean, he's had a lot of problems. Mm. Allegedly broke some guy's leg in a nightclub. They say he held the guy down, stomped his shin, and smashed his leg. That's crazy shit, man. And who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the fuck is going on with that dude? Yeah, Rico's. A, I know he's Rico, and know he's mum and dad, and they're real nice people. He's a nice guy and stuff. You know, bad as probably the most exciting heavyweight ever. He's a wild man. He's a fucking wild man, and he's legit knockout power. And the other thing is, he throws caution literally to the wind. Yeah. I mean, he he unloads with full power shots, wades forward, throws bombs. Like he throws out all ideas of like being technical and being, um, being really cautious and 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 you know, like setting traps. Mm. He's not setting traps. No. He's dropping missiles on you. I mean, it gets to him. I think I've, I've heard that he he throws up. I think he get, he gets that nervous that he throws up. I throws think up badder. before the fight. Yeah, he yeah. gets really sort of Maybe. super nervous. Makes sense if you see the way he fights. Yeah, he fights I mean, like it's fucking he chaos. Fights like someone's nicked something off him, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, someone killed somebody he loves. That's what yeah. he fights like. It's yeah. he fights like a wild man. But it's so exciting. But Rico is a different kind of fighter. Mm. Rico is a very athletic, big heavyweight who is a amazing cardio. Outstanding technique. Yeah, his boxing's outstanding. His kickboxing's outstanding. Have you ever seen him? Huge, huge, huge guy. He's a natural two thirty, uh, two fifty plus, mm. and he's in incredible shape. Yeah, there's Botter. The thing about re this is the uh, glory uh, preview video. Yeah, it's just the highlights they're putting them, on. I'm pretty sure. The thing about Rico is that Rico's been super active while Botter's been dealing with all these problems, and Rico's been getting better and. Rico's been beating guys that, you know, he had some problems with some guys in the past, and you see him now, and he's just a much better fighter in every shape, way, shape, or form. Yeah, when he fought Benjamin Adebui, I thought mm -hmm. that was brilliant. I mean, he's been, he was sparring with Tyson Fury, wasn't he? And, yeah. And all decent heavyweights, and beating Daniel Gita, who's... The Daniel Gita fight's a good example, yeah. because they had fought before, and it was a very close fight, but in the rematch, it was not close at all. Rico kind of ran away with it. Rico's on another level right now. Yeah. But the thing about Botter is like when he was at his best and you kind of got to assume that it's possible that he could go back to how he was when he was at his best. When he when Botter was at his best, he was a fucking hurricane in yeah, there. He was. I remember you've seen I've seen him because he fought a lot on it's Showtime mm -hmm. and the, the the Moroccans absolutely Love him, but a bit like Jariah. Yeah, Mohamed Jariah is coming through now, and Elias Belay, they love them. Who was it that he stomped in the head? Remy Bonjaski. And um, Hesty Gergis. Yeah, had, he booted Hesty Gergis yeah. when he was on the floor. Yeah, he got disqualified for that one, right? Uh, yeah, he got disqualified for both of them. Both of them, Bonjaski yeah. too. Bonjaski looked a little bit like he was kind of like acting it up a little bit. I'm saying nothing. I have to go to Holland. You're saying nothing. I'm, you have to go I, to I, Holland. <laughs> Listen, well, I think it's probably I, smart on his part. Like, listen, the fight's over if I just lay here. Thanks for the money. Yeah. You know? It just seemed a little like this guy who's been beating up his entire career and, you know, taking amazing shots all of a sudden, one uh, kick when he's down, and he uh, just decided, like, here it is right here. Yeah. That one kick. That was it. I can't go on. No way. Right? I mean, it wasn't a nice thing that he did. It certainly is grounds for disqualification. But to see him rolling around the ground like he can't he can't function anymore. I'm like, okay. The Hester Gergis one was worse. He did volley yes. him, didn't he, when he was on the floor? Yeah. Well, he's fucking crazy. Why is he Why is he like that? Does anybody know? I don't know. I, I just think he's great. He's dead nice with me. 
He's really, he's been, he's, he was, he's been re- like, he was really, really nice with me, and I'm like, well, he's all right with me. He's just Thank the wrong God. guy to cross. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, he's just the wrong guy to cross. You don't want to fuck with Badr Hari. He is. He's a dangerous, dangerous man. Uh, so yeah. do you want to do this technique? So what is it you want to do? So basically, it's a, it's a calming technique. Okay, yeah, we were about to do this earlier. We, we, yeah, we, we got did, so distracted. Well, you to carry on, You're going to tell people in their cars to be careful. Yes, don't. Okay. please don't do this while you're driving <clears throat> your what car. what are we doing here? And, Explain well, this and, to people? And, try, and using any uh, machinery or anything dangerous. Just, we're just, I'm just showing you a, a basic technique. It's a submodality move. So you, submodality is, a, you know... Submodality? Yeah, what's going, like something that's going on in the background. Okay. Um, so it just, it just calms you down. So people can use it for... I don't know, before training or just stressful day or whatever they want to do or after a stressful day, learn to, you know, get some um, time to sleep or whatever. It's a self-hypnosis technique, really, um, that I wanted to share with okay, people. Let's if that's do all it. right with you. Yeah, please. Okay, so um, do you want to sit back a bit? Okay, sit back. step so, back. No, okay. just sit, yeah, so sit, sit back. back. Okay. What I want you to do is um, find a comfortable chair or you can, uh, or in your bed or whatever and you, while you listen to this. And I want you to just, you might just allow yourself, just close your eyes a moment. I want you to imagine that you're in a room. This room could be uh, any colour you wish. And in front of you, there's a window. The window is slightly open. I want you to move towards that window. And as you go towards that window, I want you to imagine outside there is traffic. Bumper to bumper, cars, traffic. And we know what traffic causes when you're in a traffic jam, you know them situations. I also want you to imagine that there's a dog running around and barking, a really big dog and making lots of noise. There's also a man and woman arguing in the street and having a blazing row. The window next door of the house that you live in, they're blaring out really loud music. There's also a group of school children coming from back from school and making noise. And what you notice what you notice. Hear what you hear and feel what you feel about this situation with the window open. Now I want you to start moving backwards, further and further away from the window, so the window gets smaller and smaller. And as you move really, really back from the window, I want you to allow that window to get smaller and smaller. And as you go really weary away from the window, so the window's really, really small, I want you to go out of that room and close the door. And just be. And that's it. That's it? Yes. Just get away from the window? Just get away from that window. So that should make a bumper sticker. Get away from the window. <laughs> yeah. It's just so you just so you just withdraw away from the window. Withdraw mm-hmm. away from chaos and just quieting yourself down. So now using that as a uh, a tool, like mm. how would one implement that in their life? Like that sort of a... It's a it, it, there's, there's loads of different ways of... of uh, induction into hypnosis. There's loads of du- inductions. There's loads of different ways. But with that, I just I just like it personally. Uh, Learn off a lady called Dolores Ashcroft Nowiski, and it, it, to just move away from things that are going on and just give yourself uh, just even a few minutes of just mm-hmm. quiet. And when you when you shut down, you, you shut the door, and you just be. You can just imagine yourself sitting, and then you can start using your breathing techniques or just allowing yourself to just sit just for a few minutes. And see see what comes up for you, see how calm you can get. We were talking about something before the podcast <clears throat> that I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Uh, in in turn in relationship to archery, 
that there's a thing that happens in archery called target panic. And what target panic is, is people that in the moment, they start freaking out and they can't stay calm and they can't, they, what they do is they, they, they try to get that pin. Like when, when you're shooting a bow, you have a, a sight and on that sight has a pin and the pin is, it's, it's set up to whatever yardage you're trying to shoot at and your bow gets sighted in and once your bow is sighted in you can kind of dial your scope to or your your sight to like 20 yards 30 yards 40 yards and what happens is people put that pin on the target whether it's at a competition or whether it's bow hunting whatever it is you put that pin on the target and the moment that's on the target you start freaking out because the the moment that this all is going down is happening soon and people hammer that trigger mm-hmm. and when they hammer that trigger they jerk the pin offline they don't stay still they panic and this target panic causes bad shots yeah and you introduced me to this idea called hakalau 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 yeah. explain to me hakalau hakalau is um from a belief system from hawaii called huna it's a it's a hypnotic state you're in hypnosis all the time. You're driving, watching TV, as we said earlier. Right, when you, you know, drive and you don't even realize how you got home, yeah, you're just hip- on autopilot. That's hypnosis. State, yes. You just Hypnogogic. Is that the word? State, yes. And um, it's driving hypnosis, basically. So Hakalau, spell it. Hakalau, H-A-K. H. H. These motherfuckers and their brutalization of our God-given language. Of our president's language. It's H-A-K. A L. Oh, wait, is it? You've got me. Yad's gone now. Hakalau. Hakalau. Hala breathe. H A K A L A U. L A U. Yeah. L A U. Yeah. So <clears> it's <throat> it's a hypnotic state, and it's quite easy to do. Um, we I've done it with a lot of people, and it works very very well. It's just to calm yourself down a little bit. So as I said before, what you do is I'll just sit down and do it. So you basically use lots of different ways of doing it. You can find a spot on the wall. That's higher than your eye line. So you're kind of looking up on a diagonal. And if you imagine that you can, you're looking through your third eye, you know, mm-hmm. looking through the middle of your, your eyebrows. And what you do is you focus on a spot on the wall. And while you're focusing all your energy on that spot, you imagine that you can see all the way to the left and all the way to the right. Mm. Imagine that you can see really high above yourself and below yourself. And then you imagine while you're looking at it, you can imagine you can use your awareness to touch everything in the room. So you can see behind yourself, really above yourself and below yourself and around yourself. And what that does, it just it calms you down and gives you a, a bigger periphery. It's peripheral vision. It's increasing your peripheral vision, which is extremely good for combat athletes, etc. And, you know, just being calm and just putting yourself in a calming situation like we talked about um vasil lomachenko didn't we mm-hmm. earlier he's in hakala all the time he's amazing him yeah he's pretty badass he's amazing um so explain to me why increasing your peripheral <clears throat> benefits why? you like what what does it do well because if you it, when people say you have tunnel vision you don't you don't, you don't see that way don't you right tunnel vision's like that you don't right. see anything else the, you it's see just, that in street fights yeah you see that like i've, I've talked about this one street fight where uh, I watched in front of the comedy store, these two guys were uh, arguing, and uh, this one guy had zero idea how to fight. I mean, yeah. like literally zero. And he's standing in front of this other guy, and they start throwing blows. And this guy literally, he's wincing, his eyes are almost closed, and he's doing this. 
Is it me? He's standing <laughs> square in front of this guy, and he's literally like throwing his hands. Yeah. A bus moves in front of us. I can't see what happens. The bus pulls forth, and the guy's flattened, just laying flat out, and the other guy's running away. So this guy cracked him. The other guy didn't know what the fuck he was doing either. He was All lucky right. that the first guy. Was I thought a he got run over by the bus. Then no, no, oh, no, right. no, 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 no. He just got knocked out on the street. They were in the street when this happened, though. Yeah. But my point is that you could tell that this guy was frozen yeah. in this moment. He wasn't like aware. This guy's throwing his hands at him and moving his head out of the way and being completely aware. Most of the time, in in really incredibly stressful situations. Your, your point of vision yeah. closes yeah. and you tense up. Yeah. So by expanding your peripheral vision, you think that you can relax. Yeah, you can. And, and, what, and, and, what and is, you, you can become more, you come extra aware. Mm, what is going on when you're expanding your peripheral well, vision? You're opening your unconscious. So, so you're opening your unconscious via just, by just seeing more than you can actually see. So say if you were in a, an archery competition uh -huh. you're shooting at this target that's like 70 meters away and you really have to concentrate and you're looking at that spot and you're like Whew, and there's all these nerves yeah. and everything like that and you're drawing your bow yeah. back and you're concentrating on that yeah. spot how would one implement that then well you, 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 you do hackalow you do that you do that first explain that so you, you find a spot on that you find a spot that's higher than the target for instance okay so say the target's here okay you'd find the target that's just above say elvis's head there Okay, yeah. so you look, and you look just, a few and feet then, above the target. Yeah, just oh, yeah. Find a spot, just concentrate find a spot, on. It. Just allow yourself to spread your awareness. Like there's also there's another way of doing it where you can have your palms out like this, mm -hmm. right? And then when you you bring your palms in, and when you can see out, so you can see you can see your own palms. You drop your hands. Mm. So then you also put your hand over your head, and then when you when you can see your fingers over your head, you drop that too. That okay, also so so spread you spread your arms out. Yeah. You can't see your arms. Yeah, you can't. And then you start bringing yeah. them in, and the moment you see your hands, you drop, you drop your hands. Yeah. But you keep your eyes forwards. Leave, so you keep yeah. your eyes and then focused on whatever like that spot is over, over your head. head like that, and then when and you the see moment your fingers, you drop it forward, boom. then you yeah. let your hands down. Why is what is going on when I'm doing it's that? Just it's another focus point. It just brings your awareness bigger. Just mm -hmm. makes your your sight bigger. So when you when you're in the periphery, you have a calmness about you. And what is the philosophy when they talk about hakalau? And what did you say the name of the um, huna? The, huna. Yeah. What is what is the thought process about hakalau? Is that is that hey, part see, of their practice? Yeah, it's part of their practice. Yeah. They do this thing with their arms. Yes. And oh, well, no, there's loads of different ways of doing it. I'm not aware if they do it with the hands. I know. I just know techniques who've been taught or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I know that you know the staring at the spot on the wall, and allowing your periphery just to spread. Yeah, yeah it works. And what is what? How, why does it work? Like what's it going on? It calms you down. It calms your mind down. If you're focusing on something, so you, if you're focusing on I don't know whatever you're shooting, right? Mm -hmm. If you're looking right. at that, and you you got this background shit going on, mm -hmm. blah blah blah. More than likely, that's your, your focus. It's not that's not your focus. That is the, when so, you're you're pointing your head yes. for people to listen, and you're saying blah blah blah. You yeah. mean like the, the, the internal the, the, doubt? Yeah, the inner dialogue, the chatter. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. Don't miss. You're gonna yeah. miss. You're gonna miss. Breathe properly. Breathe properly. <laughs> And then right. when you when you when you get control of yourself by just focusing your awareness, which is your your your, your area to relax, then you start then you just get yourself into a calm position. So say if someone was in a hunting situation, uh -huh. there's a deer. Right. And the deer is moving to thirty yards away, yeah. and it's it's moving right into what you would call like a shooting lane in uh -huh. between two trees. How would you try to? Initiate hakalau there because you do hakalau before you start, 
or you practice it all the time. When do you all practice? The time. Yes. When do you practice it all the time, it becomes a part of you. It's like mm-hmm. anything. Mind coaching or, or being a, being using the techniques I teach people is you got to practice them like mm. everything. You can't just I'll just go hackalow and that's it. And you have to practice it and practice it and practice it, and it becomes it becomes more and more easy. But this you know? seems like such a simple solution to a very complex issue there's a lot of uh what is going on with archery is what's called uh there's a lot of different theories one of the theories is recoil bracing yeah like you know that something's going to happen so you're preparing for this thing to happen and then in preparing for that thing to happen that is becoming more of your focus than actually making it work correctly yeah but it it, but it does calm you down so even in the aspects of shooting i'm surely that i don't know i don't do it but i mean surely it's calming down that you're aiming for mm-hmm. for aiming at something right so but it's also being focused completely focused on the it result does, it and does not focus, negative aspects it does focus it. your awareness yeah not the mo- th- yeah the more that you do it the more people do it in sparring as well they get less hit mm-hmm. they get they get less hit in sparring i, I know uh there's a weightlifter called emma james that's uh things like a 20 odd time world heavy lifting lady person and um she uses hakalal and it works what does she do? It's, just, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's now, focus. And are there other methods other than the straight, straightening your arms out and looking yeah, it's, forward? It's the best one, my personal opinion, you know, people may argue it, but, you know, my personal opinion is it, you see, you fo- find a spot on the wall and allow your awareness just to spread. So you imagine you can see all the way to the left and all the way to the right. So Early, if you're out in the woods, you pick a spot on a tree. Yes, yeah. Or you, and you keep practicing and keep doing it. And you will, it will eventually, you'll embed it. So why is expanding your peripheral vision calming? I don't know. Hmm. It just, it just seems to calm the whole body down. It's, it's, again, you're not, fo- you're focusing on spreading your awareness. You're not focusing on panic or you're focusing on anything else. So right. surely if you're just <clears throat> focusing on seeing and just moving out and, t- and allowing yourself just to spread, I'm doing it now. Right. You know, you can just you can just feel it. When I do seminars, which I do a lot of, you're doing seminars, you're talking to people and this, this, and this. You can spot people that are wandering mentally. Right. So you can see them, and then you just turn and say, "You understand?" And then they'll just go, "Yeah," because you you have to you have to guide the audience. You know, suddenly you when you're doing comedy, you, I think you do it anyway. I think if you do it, in, you'll do it in comedy. I think when you're on the stage, you'll do it in comedy anyway, hmm. because you can become aware of everybody. Sort of. You definitely go into a state, though. Yeah, exactly. And that's, when that's what Hakalau is. It induces a state. When you're doing comedy, you're in the moment, but you're also a passenger. Mm. You know, to, yeah. do, to do comedy, you almost have to get out of your own way. Yeah. But you also have to have prepared the material enough to where you know where you're going with it so you can well, relax. Think, well, think about, think about archery then. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get out of your own way. Right. Because the only person that's panicking is you. Yes. The animal or the, whatever you're shooting is They don't even know you're there. Exactly. Right. So it's exactly the same. You're moving yourself out of the way uh-huh. to get yourself into the zone where you're going to do it. Trust me, just just try it. And if you, know, if you want to I definitely more, will. It just, yeah. there's, that's an interesting uh, solution to a really common issue yeah. with archers. Right. Like tournament archers, they, they panic so much that they've come up with a method of allowing this bow to go off um, without them doing it on purpose. Yeah. It's a surprise release. That's, hip, that's a hypnosis. Yeah. That's a hypnotic state. <clears throat> yeah. They have this thing called a, a hinge release. 
And what a hinge release is, you clip it onto your bow, and as you pull it back, instead of hitting a trigger, you're slowly moving your hand, and you never know when it's going to go mm. off. You're just slowly curling your finger, and there's a little hinge inside of it. Mm. And once it gets past a certain point, it just goes off. Right. So instead of like hammering the trigger, mm. it goes off completely by surprise. So they figured out a solution to whatever the, you know, this thing is that fucks with people's heads. Yeah. But what you think is that if you can do it in practice, yeah. you can do it in a real-life situation yeah. if you expand your yeah. peripheral vision. It's a feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's look, you know, like we talk, I remember the last time I was on here, we talked about Golovkin. Mm-hmm. He talks about feeling. You listen to how he says about about punches. Yes. He talks about, I feel this, I feel that. He says feel all the time. Yeah. And he feels, he feels I feel this, I know him, I feel. He's, he's, it's an awareness. Yeah. It's an expansion of awareness. You know, in English, you know that when you flip the bird? Mm-hmm. In English, it's that. It's two fingers. Yeah, you know what it's from? No. It's from when we had wars with the French. What the French, you know, they capture the, the, the archers, they cut the fingers off. Oh, right. So that's yeah. just to say, ha-ha, I feel like we've talked about this before, yeah. Yeah, but that's to, to do with the... To say, fuck off, I've yeah, got my two I've fingers. Yeah, I've got my two fingers, and that's from archery. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's it's, it's a state. Do you know the uh, Mongols didn't use it that way? They use their thumb. Right. They hook it with their thumb, and then they grab their finger like this, and they pull it back that way. Right. They had their own Why little you weird method. Why do you have like that? Because you have a release in your hand. Right. You do it this way because you can get a consistent anchor point. It sits right on your chin. Is it's it true also when you, if you drop the bow, if you drop the bow, the arrow drops? Is yes, it, is that, is that most true? certainly. I've yeah. heard that. I've heard that when you... Yeah, you have to stay completely still as the arrow releases. Mm, with me so, coming from Robin Hood country, it's a natural thing for well, me. Well, yeah, it's just... it's. But there's a bunch of different kinds of bows. There's a bunch of different ways of shooting. Mm. Like when you're shooting with a recurve bow or yeah. a traditional bow, you're pulling it back and just letting it go yeah. really quickly. Bang! With with a compound bow, you're settling in and uh-huh. relaxing and trying to stay calm and keep the pin relatively close to the area but concentrating on the spot and then you release and as you release it's got to be in one smooth motion where your hand pulls back as you do it so there's no yanking this way or yeah. pulling that way or there's nothing that's going to affect the travel of the arrow yeah so level- all that, there's a lot of mind shit going yeah, on yeah there's, a, there's a level at. of self-trust isn't yes. there with it oh yeah I mean, there's, a big le- there's a big level of self-trust and that's in anything in sport mm-hmm. or anything else it's the learning to trust yourself and trusting your trusting your mind you know and, and i just think that with with mind coaching stuff with techniques that you you know that you get to learn and get to to have in your locker i think it's it's massively beneficial as you're aware but yeah and you will do that i mean if you you know i can always record you something and send you it you know before you go to this thing that you're doing and let, let's see what happens well, it'll be interesting for me to see what happens because i've never worked with anybody that's on archery yeah you know it is a it is a lot of preparation for one moment yeah. that might happen once a year yeah and that's one of the big things about it is like when someone prepares for like a bow hunt in particular mm-hmm. at least a tournament you have multiple shots you can yeah. shoot many many times you get more relaxed but when someone prepares for a hunt you are preparing year round you're shooting arrows constantly it's 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 an incredible I can't believe how hard it is. Yeah. I mean, when I first started doing it, I was like, what's the big deal? You stand there, you keep your arm straight, you pull the bow back. Mm. No, there's a lot going on. And there's uh, so much to consider. The position, the placement of your feet, the position of your front shoulder, how you're gripping the bow, yeah. pulling back to the same consistent anchor point. 
uh, looking through the peep sight correctly. Make sure you center the peep sight with the sight housing and the bow, releasing with no movement whatsoever, making sure that everything is done perfectly, keeping the mind concentrating specifically on a spot. You have to look where you want to hit. You can't look in the vague area, and you can't hope you're going to hit something. Yeah. You have to be absolutely convinced you're going to hit something. Yeah, and you will. Look and you, you will. Look at you, positive thinking. Man. Well, you, you will. You, you will, because that's your intention. So if your intention, mm-hmm. set your intention. Mm-hmm. Set your sight, which is exactly the same, is it not? Set your sight on right, and this is what I'm going to do. Set your sight on your intention, <clears throat> where you go, and say, this is what I'm going to do. Set your intention. Yeah, and that is a big part of why people fuck up. They go, I hope this works. Yeah, or I'll God, try. I hope this works. Yeah. The older even said that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, do or do not. There is no try. You know, you, you set your intention. I know it's cliche, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you set your intention. Well, a lot of times cliches are there for a reason. That they're they they're real. They they represent reality. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in this one it does. It's um it's just an extreme thing, and it's also a thing this archery thing and bow hunting in particular, where a lot of people who are engaging in it, they might not have a lot of experience in performing under extreme pressure. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of opportunities where you're performing under extreme extreme pressure, and then you have uh, an incredibly intense moment where it's yeah. literally life or death to yeah. this animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I went, we'll talk and I, we'll talk because I want you to change the language around it mm-hmm. to to give you more of a more of a you know because it, it is complicated. I, I get that, mm-hmm. but we've got to make it as less complicated as we can. So it's so it's there's a smoother thing. Well, it's of, complicated, but it's not complicated like the English language. You know, the English language is unbelievably complex. Yeah, true. Thousands of letters and I mean thousands of words, and you're you're using them all in different ways and inflection, and we all do that effortlessly. Yeah. So I know? think I think I think you can you know with doing the techniques and, and helping you out, I, I certainly will because you know you're a very nice man. Well, and, thank um, you. I'll, I'll give you I'll credit want, for sure. Well, thank, well, I, I want you to. Yeah. I want to. I, I, I really wanted to talk to you about this because I've seen all these different methods that people use to uh, try to overcome target panic. <clears throat> and one of them is um, uh, this positive affirmation or positive uh, way of looking at it. Like mm. my friend Shane Dorian was here and uh, he was talking about his friend and that his friend right before he goes to shoot the arrow and he said his friend's a really nice guy. His friend says, I'm going to fucking kill you. Mm. That's what he says in his head. Yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Like he says that in his head. Yeah. So it's he's absolutely convinced this is what he's going to do. Mm. It's not, I hope this arrow lands perfectly. Yeah. I hope I make a great shot. He affirms it in his head where there's no wishy-washiness yeah. about it. Well, he's set an intention. Yeah. He's set an intention and I'm he's mm-hmm. personal to you. Remember we were yes. talking before and you said you, you, you. Mm-hmm. And he said when you change the language around, when he changes the language around anything, it becomes, it becomes more useful to you. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's again, it's it, that is a that is a yeah, it's an affirmation, but it's also setting your intention. Mm. And in every way, if you think about it, shooting that bow is setting your intention in every single way, isn't it? Because your intention is the the, the beast, mm-hmm. if you will, and you're you're setting your intention. So you've got to calm this. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, we'll we'll yeah, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it. Mm. We'll get it. Well, I, I would really like to see if this uh, is effective or if it helps other archers. Because uh, that's one of the things in me getting involved in bow hunting. I've been exposed to this common problem that people talk about. And I'm absolutely fascinated by common problems. Yeah. Problems that seem to represent a pattern of thinking that's really uh, uh, almost natural, but obviously should be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And it's it's just about you 
focusing your attention on what you want. That's how, that's how you get things in life. You focus on what you want, not what you don't want. You focus on totally on... And you will get things that will trip you up. I don't live on a cloud. I never, never, never say that. But what you do is you focus on what you want and you keep focusing on what you want and deal with things that, that get in your way but keep focusing on what you want. That's the, that's the idea. Don't focus on the problems. Don't focus fo- on what you want. Don't focus on how difficult it is and, right. and this problem and how difficult this is and how hard this is because all you're telling... You're, 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 all you're doing you're in your unconscious then, the only information you're giving it is how hard it is. Right. So then it, what does it become? It becomes something that, that becomes something huge huge and this comes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast the language that you use in your own mind yeah. can be very self-defining yeah. and can sort of really not just define you but define your future and how you how you interact with life yep and how you interact with people how you interact how you get how you come across and how you you perceive yourself and how you project everything into into what happens you know yeah. and and i think that's the idea of is is this is just changing the language the way you speak to yourself mm. if you can change the language the way you speak to yourself your life will change exponentially that's my change opinion. the language folks change the language and obviously this is also it's not an instantaneous process right it's practice <clears throat> you know you, the first time you did spinning back kick you didn't land on the target and was brilliant like i've seen you welly in that bag Wellian's another British term. Wellian? Wellying. What is that? Oh, wellying. Wellying. Welly is a is a, a welling. I don't know. It's just a slang term for kicking very hard. Oh, okay. Welly. Right. It's when you kick when you welly something, you're kicking it because you know Wellington boots. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah, but when I've seen you, you know the first, you know I've seen you that spinning back kick. I don't. You saw it showing John Saint Pierre, George Saint Pierre. George Saint Pierre. Yeah, that was yeah. All right. You know, so the first time you did that, you didn't do it correctly. Right. You know, but it's, it's all about practice. Mm-hmm. Mind coaching isn't an instantaneous thing. For phobias, yes. You, you know, it, it works for phobias. But, I mean, for for certain things that in life, you've got you've to keep doing it. It's just life's thing. It's practice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's the case with everything, including thinking. Yeah. Like, thinking is a skill. Yes. And thinking is something that you have to develop and develop proper technique yep. and adhere to these proper techniques always. Yes. That's why I don't do one-offs. I used to do one-off sessions. What do you mean by one-offs? I used to do one-off <coughs> sessions for people like one-to-ones and do a session, mm-hmm. one session. I don't do one anymore. I do more. I do think of four weeks to freedom or I have people that sign up for a year with me as well because it's it's an ongoing process. I still have a... My, my teacher, Colin Mackay, I still... I still put, you know ruminate things and he puts my thinking on the right path or whatever it's no one's we're not a finished product I'm certainly not a finished product you know but it's just about practice that's really what's important like people will try to point out inconsistencies in, in someone's behavior as um, a sign that maybe that person shouldn't be the one that's being a mental coach like yeah. yourself or yeah. someone who has maybe not succeeded in everything they've ever tried. Yeah. How could this person possibly be a mental coach when they're, they're not even capable of running their own life? But no, every human being is essentially the same in that regard, is that no matter where you are, you can probably do better. Mm. And no matter who you are, you have learned along the way a lot of it by failure. Yeah, look at Lom- I'm going back to Lomachenko as well because I'm a You're massive, a big fa- oh, massive fanboy. Because he does <laughs> things that he- I think he'll change the face of boxing. I really do. Why do you think that? Have you seen what he does? He does like the Schultz test. Have you seen that where he does the different numbers? Where he's like 
there's a Schultz test where you have one to twenty-five, and they're all in different uh, a square, and then these these all the numbers are in squares as well, and he has to touch them. And oh, and I see what he you're does, saying. He does loads of different mind stuff. He, he this knows, is a reaction drill. Yeah, but he's 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 building his awareness. He's building his intelligence. That's why he's called himself high tech. He's building his intelligence. He's building his awareness. He said in his next fight, he's not going to get hit. He's aiming not all? to get hit. But what happens once he gets hit? Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, he's got to go out. Well, look when... Fuck. Well, the thing, he's got, he's got a mind coach. He's mm-hmm. got a mind coach. And when he lost to Salido, mm-hmm. when he got... He, where the weight was wrong and he got punched in the balls and all that sort of stuff, and Salido just out, out proed him, really, I guess. Yeah. He's too heavy, this, this, and this. But he, he didn't dwell on that. He went back straight away, beat Gary Russell, who's a great fighter, too. And he, because he didn't dwell on it, and because he, he had a mind coach saying, "Look, control your emotions." Me and Brian Dolbury have come to see. We're talking about it. I read about it that he was saying that his mind coach got him to not focus, just control his emotions, and that's what it's about: it's controlling your emotions, mm-hmm. controlling your, controlling you, because you are your emotions after all, and and just you know getting through what other people wouldn't. And he isn't he fighting Salido in a rematch? Isn't that? I I, have, I think it's muted. But I don't, I've heard also that he's going to move up to lightweight and fight Manchester's uh, Terry, Terry Flanagan mm. for the WBO title uh, next year. Interesting. But he's amazing. Yeah. I've never seen anyone do what he does. I mean, Penal Whitaker was very good. Roy Jones was very good. But he just seems to glide around people and just he just seems to know what you're going to do before you do it. He's exceptional. What's exceptional about him is that he's not outside. He's inside and yeah. he's not getting hit. Yeah. That's one of the most yep. impressive things about him is that he stays in the pocket, yep. and yet he somehow uh, is so slick and so so well schooled. Yeah, Andre and schooled was like by that his as father well. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were disappointed in Andre Ward's performance on Saturday night. Um, I think the opponent had a lot to do with it. Um, I think against I think against Kovalev it will be very very interesting. Yeah, well, what's here's Lomachenko like, standing right in front of this dude. Just beautiful counters, man. It's just so crazy. Like, like he's just not there when the guy goes to hit him. It's, it's, he's insane how good he is. He's so aware, though. It's his awareness. <clears throat> his awareness is so perfect. His distance and his timing. And what did he fight for a world title fight in his second pro fight? Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. And, he, and he's won two world titles of different <clears throat> weights in seven fights. So. He's just so good. At his, yeah. his movement is so incredible. You know, you see a guy like Lomachenko, and you see Gennady Golovkin and Kovalev, and you go, God damn, these Russians are bad motherfuckers. But they've had mind coaches, all of them. Even, all of them? Yeah. yeah. yeah all, even the Russians used were the first per- people to start using, um, you know, mental coaches and stuff. This is, footwork is insane. And that, again, like, what's insane about it is he's right in front of yeah. the guy, and yet he's so elusive with his footwork look at that step to the right and uppercut step to the left uppercut just god damn he's good and he pulls the hands as well mm-hmm. he pulls the hands down and throws yep. a hook oh yeah yeah he's really good at that yeah. he's yeah, a he's yeah, a freak a, he's yeah. a real freak and so uh, these russians uh they that's the way they school their amateurs they uh they give them a lot of mind coaching yeah they do and uh, lomachenko also was doing uh gymnastics and ballet Fucking ballet. Ballet's coming up again, isn't it? The old turmeric. I'll get Vasil some turmeric. <clears throat> and so, well, like I would think that that would help because just the ability to control your body, gymnastics in particular, is fantastic yeah. for that. Yeah. The ability, like uh, Hicks and Gracie famously was into uh, yoga 
and uh, he was into uh, this very specific type of yoga that's very gymnastics oriented. It's mm. gymnastic on natural. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of like flexibility and movement. It's more of like a flowing type yeah. of yoga thing. But vinyasas they're called, aren't they? The movements. Mm-hmm. Vinyasas, yes. Yeah. And those flowing type movements are one of the reasons why he was so good mm. at jujitsu is because his ability to control his body was like truly exceptional. Yeah. He had a very unusual ability to control his body. Again, oh. it's awareness. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It comes back to awareness, doesn't it? It's also strength in weird motions. Yoga is a big part of that too. He was yeah. he was also a yogi and not just gymnastic and natural, but like regular yoga. He could do... Just a, he had incredible flexibility, standing on a balance beam, standing in a full split, holding his foot above his head, you know. And he's two hundred pounds, and he's uh, fighting professionally in uh, Valley Tudo events. Yeah, you see, it's all it's all mind and body connection, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's, it's it's getting you in conjunction with that. And strength and conditioning is great as well. There's loads of stuff now that's make it can make athletes like incredibly, incredibly uh, successful. Mm. I love. Lomachenko, Lomachenko mad, Golovkin mad. He's fighting Kell Brook soon in England, September the tenth. Yeah, in London. Apparently, um, they they done the thirty day weighing thing, mm-hmm. and Kell Brook's heavier than heavier Lomachenko, right than, now than, than, than Triple G. Yeah, mm. it'd be good. Good luck with all that. It's, yeah, I know. Yeah, who gives a shit if he's heavier? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you I know, get yeah. lit up, son. I know, but I want. I really. It's, <laughs> well, because he's English. Triple G. No, he's, he's from like the north the as well. Guy? Yeah, I, I like him. Whether he's whether he wins or not, I, I, well, he's got a chance. Easy, he's a it? professional boxer, and he's excellent. Gennady Golovkin, something special. Yeah. He's, uh, there's something. His body attack is fucking ruthless too, man. That left hook to the liver he throws. Yeah, Good and, lord. And the way he cuts the ring down, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just like him as a person. He's not yes. the most, you know, the most sparkling personality ever. But I mean, I just like him the way he says, "I respect." He's old school. I respect him, and blah blah blah. And What's then, interesting about him to me is that he's so boyish and cute looking. Mm. But he's a fucking killer. Yeah. I mean, you look at the guy. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, I bring big drama fight. Yeah, yeah big drama show. Yeah. Big drama show. It's yeah, like yeah. It's he's yeah. so strange. He's um, yeah, he's he's very very special. Yeah, he is. He is. Well, so is uh, Kovalev, and that's why the Andre Ward fight becomes so so intriguing. Because if he fights the way, if Andre Ward fights the way he fought on Saturday night, he's gonna have a real hard time with Kovalev. Well, you see, Kovalev's last fight against Chilemba. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he didn't look all that, but Chilemba again. See, I think but he was fighting in Russia. There was yeah. a lot of pressure on him as well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Chilemba's hard to fight. I mean, Tony mm-hmm. Bellew fought him twice from England's now the WBC cruiserweight champion from Liverpool. But Chilemba um, was the only guy to go the distance except Hopkins, right? In recent fights. In recent fights, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and it's good. Do you think he drops him in round? seven mm-hmm. i think ward will fight on the inside i don't yes. think he'll fight on the outside i think I he'll think fight so similar to the way he fought frotch yeah. i think that's that would be the plan but great fighter man very interesting great fight, though. very very interesting fight what i like about ward is his intelligence he's so smart and you hear it when he does commentary yeah he's so aware and he fights so smart yeah he just is he's just a very clever guy yeah. and everything he does he makes it awkward he fights different almost every fight mm. sometimes he fights on the outside sometimes he sticks to you like glue it's he's a very interesting fighter i've seen jim lampley uh, asking him questions and he's i think his his dad was a, an addict sort of some sort mm-hmm. um, died really early i think died at 46 and his mum was a, a former drug addict and, and jim lampley asked him about it, and you could see him like well up and you know he started you know he's done this started crying and stuff and he's come through shit 
Mm-hmm. You know, so he, you know, when he's he's stuck where he wants, listen, nothing but respect for him, man. He's yeah. he's amazing, and he he seems, and I've not met him, I'd like to, uh, a very very nice man. Yeah, he a seems very like a very decent, nice guy. decent yeah. human being. But when he fought Barrera the last time, when he fought, um, well, second name, no, his first name was Barrera. Second name was Barrera. At one point, where he caught the, he caught the jab, mm-hmm. he threw a jab, caught the jab, threw a right hand, left hook, slipped on. Wow, I mean, he was just like. He's like he was dancing. He's like he mm-hmm. rehearsed it. He's fabulous fighter. Hakalau. Hakalau indeed. <laughs> Hakalau indeed. Are there any other uh, methods of trying to uh, expand your peripheral? Uh, it's it's basically practice. Just practice. Yes. So it's just something that you have to be aware oh. of. The closing of the peripheral mm. is is also a tightening of you and, and and not good. I would say so. But you can still focus. Yep. Even with expanded peripheral, yep. you can still focus on the task at hand. Yes, that's the, the it, you do focus on the task in hand. It's still it is still focusing on the task in hand. Dri- driving's the same, isn't it? I mean, if you if you only was just driving and just look forward, you know you wouldn't see anything coming from a, a junction or mm. you know you still look in the rear, rear view mirror, don't you? Even even though you're not really going to get you're not going to get it's more often than not you're not going to hit from behind unless you stopped. You know, you know that's the uh, the stereotype about Asians being bad drivers. A friend of mine who's Asian tried to tell me that the reason for that is their culture. When they're in Asia, especially in in, in China, nobody looks to the left and looks to the right. It's like traditional to look straight ahead and uh, you know to mind your own business. Don't be staring. Don't look off to the left. And so, and also they run into each other. Like if you ever been on the streets of China, apparently according to Ari. They just people just bump into everybody. They just bump into each other. They're just so used to it. And it's not a rudeness thing. Right. It's just that's normal to them. So when they get in their cars, they kind of do the same thing. They yeah. look straight ahead. They don't look to the left. Don't look to the right, and just plow ahead. It was not good for driving. I was obviously. in I was in Hong Kong and I was trying to get a flight to. It was with K One. It was a disaster. But I was trying to get a flight from Hong Kong to Guangzhou, this place, and they I was at the the. The desk explaining that I had to get this flight quick. I was running through the. I felt like I was in Taken. I was running about that much, and the journey is just people just barging in front of you. God, you know, just I was like, I don't know. And then Jeremy Lin, this kid who I know from uh, who lives in Hong Kong, he was saying that the, the mainland Chinese are miles different than the people from Hong Kong. Hmm. They have a different sort of you know um, values and culture. And yeah. Different sort of. Well, Hong Kong was a British Empire, right? It was till 1999. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Why did they yeah. give it back? I don't know. Fuck the fuck is that? I know all toys are made in Hong Kong, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know, are they? Great, yeah, well, it used to be. That's when another I was a funny kid. thing that English people do. They'll say something and you ask a question. He's doing great, isn't he? <laughs> right? The Welsh do it. It's do it? Welsh, yeah. Is the it a Welsh, Welsh thing? Yeah, the Welsh do that. I noticed you used to do that a lot. Well, you still do in commentary. You'll right. say something very complimentary and then you say, isn't he? Yeah, you see, isn't he? And that's, let's just get in an agreement. Yeah. Unless it's with Julie Kitchen, who will commentate with a lot, or Gavin Sterrett, who will take come and will take with on Yokau. Um, that you know, I'm asking them probably because oh. I need reassurance because I'm insecure. <laughs> <laughs> it's an insecure thing. It's a blanket that I need. Well, it's that's again going back to what we we're talking about, like language defining things. It's yep. like you're defining the fact that even though you are observing things, mm. you are uh, you're you're being conversational about it and you're not being you know you're not like the authoritarian yeah. you're not like the authority of all information that's being passed here you're saying no, you're not. looking for a consensus yeah of course it's like when you when you commentate and I, I know and you, you know commentary is you've got to be colourful with your language you've got to you've got to engage the engage the audience mm-hmm. to drag them into something just in a fight 
Right. You know, you've got to, you've got to, well, I'm a bit more spectacular anyway because I'm a bit hyper, aren't I? A bit sort of, you know, a bit squeaky. But um, <laughs> I don't sound like Beaker off. I sound like Beaker off the Muppets. But it's like you know, you have to drag the the audience in, right? And I, and I think it's, it's Chevello's great at that. Chevello's great. At it, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got a, a fantastic. Yeah, like a whole litany of phrases that he loves to use, and he makes you jump. Yeah. See, see, it makes it, it makes you, he makes you jump as well. So, and he'll say stuff that's on his mind, like swearing and. Yeah, for and, people who know what we're like. talking, we're talking about my friend Michael Chavello, yeah. who does commentary for uh, Access TV. He does Lion Fight, which is uh, mm. the the premier organization in the United States, at least yeah. for Muay Thai. And in, in the rest of the world, it's Yokao. Yokao, yeah. That October the sixth, Liam Harrison fights Fabio Pinka. Ooh. So that is the uh, Conor McGregor and the Diaz for us. Yeah, that's it's to me stunning that Muay Thai isn't more popular worldwide, but yeah. boxing is. Muay Thai is so much more exciting than boxing. There's so many more variables. It's so so many more ways to win. It's yeah. so much more effective, and it's just brilliant to watch when yeah. you watch a guy like Sanchai or Yadsen Klai or some of all the greats, Bukow. Mm -hmm. You watch these guys fight and. The, the artistry and the beautiful techniques and moves and also the excitement, the excitement of Muay Thai. It's just so spectacular. Yeah, I mean, San Sanchai's Hakalau all over. But it's like, you know, with with Liam, who I'm a massive, everyone knows I'm a big fanboy of Liam. You know, he brings a storm. Mm. He, never, he never leaves anything behind. He brings a storm. And October the 6th is going to be wicked. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm sweating. The hands start sweating and I all know, sorts. Right? I'm so childish. Yeah. <laughs> I really do need to grow up and get a proper job. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, Sanchai is interesting, too, because he's he's really light on his feet. Yeah. He fights different than yep. most ties. Like, yep. he fights on the balls of the feet almost exclusively, utilize a lot of front leg sidekicks, mm -hmm. like sort of a half, it's like half Teep kick, half yep. front leg side kick, keeps you off balance a lot. Well, it's Moe Baran, isn't it? I mean, Sanchai, I think, was trained originally by a guy called Somrut Kamsing, who uh, won an Olympic gold medal mm -hmm. as well. And he's got a very flamboyant technique. He's amazing, skilled. Is that the wise. guy that was supposed to fight Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, that's the one in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Yeah, him. That was never going to happen, right? No. no. And um, he, he was, he's, he's so, um, again, he's aware, and he, but he's rock hard as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think he's always just messing about, but he's rot. I mean, I remember watching again, watching him, Liam, and Liam smashed his front leg to bits, and he just said, "I can't." Right? You know, as well, it, it kicking him as hard as I could, and he's just still. Mm -hmm. He's a yeah. He's, he's a very special. He's thirty. I think he's thirty six now as well. Yeah, he's not. He's not getting any younger. He just got involved in uh, MMA. Mm. He's uh, been training. There's some videos of him yeah. like doing arm bars yeah, and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. I've seen it's that. interesting because you got to wonder like if that's what he's deciding to do. And he fights all the time. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like I, I follow him on Instagram, and Sanchai will have this thing like about to fight, smile, smile, <laughs> fist, you know, bicep. He's fighting you know, little on emojis. September the 11th in England. Is he against, fighting? Against uh, one again mentioned Kieran Kettle. He's mm -hmm. training Idris Elba. Um, Charlie Peter. He's fighting Charlie. Well, he fights, you know, at least six times a year. Yeah, right? easy. Easy. Yeah. Easy. He's fought on glory, didn't he, in, in Amsterdam? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he and did. Won. Um, and that's uh, kickboxing rules without yeah. the clinch, without yeah. elbows. Yep. 
Which is, um, it's interesting that they chose those rules. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of the organization, mm-hmm. but I like elbows. I yep. think elbows are, I mean, look, if you can kick someone in the head, why can't you elbow them? It's, it's very effective. Mm. We're talking about Muay Thai. Yeah. Like, why, why, why limit it? You yeah. know, why allow, like, leg kicks, knees to the head, head kicks, but don't allow elbows? That seems to me to be a little weird. I think the one thing that keeps, keeps Muay Thai back is the traditional side of it, which I love. I love it. Like I, the Y crew? The Y crew, the, the monk on the head. Mm-hmm. You know, and if people, How does that hold it back, though? Well, because people... I, I This is my opinion. I may be wrong. But it's like, you know, people sit there and they get the beer or whatever and they come in and they watch the fights and then they just say, what's that on his head? Well, you're a fan of martial right. arts, so you're mm-hmm. not going to really see what they see. But I right. can see it from a, you know, what's that it's got in his head for? And what's that music? Why are they dancing? Blah, blah, blah. The dance blah, blah. is odd. And also the music while they're actually fighting is a little odd. Well, you, if you watched it, you wouldn't hear it. I don't hear it. Yeah. I don't listen, you know. And if you listen for it, you obviously hear it because that's right. your focus. Yeah. But I, I love it. And there's some yeah. great fighters coming through in, in England and everywhere else. And mm-hmm. great things happening in, with the World Thai Boxing Council. Uh, right. World Thai Boxing Association that Brian Doble is involved in. Loads of stuff coming through, which is good. Yokao and, you know, and like you said, Lion Fight. Mm-hmm. Iman Barlow is one of my friends. She's fighting a Lion Fight. She's amazing. She's fighting. So Shivalo will love her. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy that Lion Fight exists because mm. it seems like there's so few organizations that are showing high-level Muay Thai yeah. in the United States. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for Mark Cuban's Access TV, it's like there's not... There's not any other options. Yeah. There's some good fighters. Gaston Balanos. Very good. I yeah. like him. He's great. He's only had a few fights. He's rock hard. And he, I think he, he's six six and one. He won, yeah. lost one fight, and it was a very highly disputed decision loss. Against the Thai. Con- yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I thought watched, he won that fight. Well, um, it's difficult. I've watched it once, and it's close. Very I'd close. I'd have to watch it again to, to really sort of analyze it. But I like his style. I like yeah. the, he, he comes for his fight, and he's only had... A few fights. Yeah. I think. I think. Hopefully, he'll be fight. He'll fight in England soon enough. Yeah, and of course, Kevin Ross, who you said Kevin, before, great guy, very fun great guy to guy. watch too. Yeah, he's he's highly skilled. And Zoila Frausto is fighting in Glory. And he's Kevin well. Ross is also fighting in Bellator kickboxing yeah. too, right? Yeah, but I've seen his seen his last one, and he's he's still a little bit muay thai. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to fight that style, but I, well, obviously he's with a good gym, so they'll, they'll, they'll transition that. Transition up. Isn't it funny that, that to most people that it looks like the same thing? They're looking at it like, what's the difference? Yeah. You know, the, but the clinch yeah. is a big factor and the elbows are a big factor. Yeah, the stance as well. The, the pace, yeah. the stance. You know, uh, Giorgio Petrosian used you know, fights Muay Thai style, mm-hmm. but, he, but he, he, can, he adapted to the rules very well because of his boxing skill. How, what is Giorgio up to now? He's fighting soon in Bellator. I don't know where. Because he had that one devastating loss to... Uh, Andy Risty. Andy Risty, yeah. He's amazing, Petrosian. Up close. I've never seen anybody like that. Just slips shots and just mm-hmm. lands. And when he hits, when he lands with his counters, they're not, they're not soft. Right. They're like whack, and you know you're in a position where you can't hit him, and he can hit you. He's just poetry in motion. He's absolutely superb. He's interesting too because he's not like some physical specimen or anything no. like that. It's just an average guy, but just a very intelligent approach mm-hmm. to to fighting. Hakalau. Yeah, Hakalau. His his eyesight. I mean, this Hakalau. No, but his mm. eyesight. It's because he's so focused on what he does. And even if you watch his training, everything is specific. He's a southpaw as well, which you can limit the shots of what you can hit a southpaw with, mm-hmm. you know, or a southpaw can hit you with. And he's just got that down to a fine art. And so is Vasil. He's just, they've got that to a fine art, that the counters that you're going to throw, they all, they, they've seen it lots and lots of times. Whereas if you haven't 
sparred with lots of southpaws and spent time with them, then it's, it is difficult for you to adjust to that, you know? Mm. That's why Cubans have so many southpaws, because of the the, the, the style's difficult to contend with sometimes. Yeah, it is funny that more people don't do it. They don't compete as a southpaw. Mm. And it, there's a lot of teachers that are starting to teach, like Emmanuel Stewart was doing that towards mm. the, his end days, was uh, teaching guys to fight with their strong hand forward. So he's taking right-handers and having them fight southpaw. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Cotto's a left-handed orthodox. Uh, De La Hoya's a left-handed orthodox. Yeah, De, De La Hoya's left-handed, but he would was. fight in an orthodox stance, so he'd have his left arm, which is his dominant hand yeah. forward. Andre Wood. Yeah. He's left-handed. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I don't know whether Vasily Lomachenko's right-handed or not. It's interesting, it's though, interesting. isn't it, to make that decision to use your dominant hand as your front hand when everybody else uses it as the power hand, the backhand. Yeah, but it's, it's I mean, I, I don't know, it feels a bit, but then again, it would feel weird if you don't do it. It's just like anything, it's practice. Everything feels weird. Remember the first time you tried to throw a left hook? You're like, what? Yeah, How do you I'm a southpaw anyway. I'm, I'm left-handed anyway. So. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, so it's it's always been... It's always been a, a right hook first and that. Yeah, but I remember the first time throwing a hook, thinking, like, what a bizarre way to generate power. Mm. Just, uh, and now it's a second nature. Now it just feels like you just, you know, just, just it, your body just moves that way. Yeah, you just like, I think John Wayne Parr's left handed. Is he? Mm. Because you watch whatever he does, he's like, he's, he's left kick. But he trained with Sang Tien Noi uh, for many years. And Sang Tien Noi was all left kick. Sang Tien Noi was a southpaw. But John Wayne Parr's got a, a great left kick. Yeah, we're slowly starting to see real high-level Muay Thai fighters compete in MMA, and really more so in women's MMA. Yeah. And, I mean, we have a lot of high-level people in M men's MMA, of course, but in women's MMA, Joanna Yonjeka, uh, Joanna Yon, uh, why, why am I not saying her name right? Joanna Yonjeka. Why am I saying it wrong, though? Yonjeka. Is she the Polish Joanna girl? Yonjecek. She yeah, Polish. But, but why am I saying it wrong? It's one of those words where if you don't if you don't say it for a couple of days, you go back to it and go Joanna. Everybody says Johanna too. It's actually Joanna Yonjecek. I think I'm saying it right. Feel off. It's so different between the way she says it. She says it and you're like, ooh, I don't even know if I can make that noise in my face. Yonjecek. See why see why questions things. See, here's the thing. When you look at it right there, first of all, I what the fuck that. is going on with that E? Why does that E have a goatee? Like, that does not help me at all. Like, if you, if you pull up her name and you make me re say her name, it doesn't help me at all. But whatever. She's fucking awesome. What yeah. she is is uh, she's really incredible. Like, her, her, her technique, her jab is just vicious. She steps forward and blasts that stiff jab on girls. Her front kicks, her her round kicks, her her elbows when she's defending takedowns, yeah. her clinch work. I mean, God, she's good. She's so good. She's one of the most technical strikers in any division, and she's in women's MMA, of course. Valentina Shevchenko, of course, very very accomplished Muay Thai uh, fighter who's now fighting in women's uh, MMA. Yeah, there's and, some good coaches coming through, like Brian Popejoy as well from mm -hmm. Boxing Works. He's really good. I watched him on pads the other day, and he he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a good coach, good with elbows and good with timing and all that sort of business. What do you think that Muay Thai needs in order to become as popular in the United States as it is in other parts of the world? A chance. It, yeah, a chance, right? A chance. It's, it's a not a chance. it's not fun. I know it's not, and it's not as if they've got not got decent people with it. Right. I'm here because 
Well, I want to see Joe Schilling and Ian McCall, obviously, and come in here with you, which is brilliant. Thanks very much. But I've come to see Brian Dobler from Double Dose Muay Thai, and he's he's full of, he's like a million miles an hour of everything. Where's that? Uh, in Fontana, in, uh, in California. And, it, you know, it, they have got the talent. It's just their chance. I actually don't know. I think there's a lot of maybe politics involved or, you know, they're not getting... The smokers have been uh, banned. You know the the uh, like Amateur we call them we, yeah we call yeah. them interclubs. They're banned everywhere. Uh, or just they're, California? Banned, they're banned in California, which is uh, unfortunate. It, yeah, unfortunate because how are they going to get experience? They're not, but also they're not going to die. No, <laughs> that's they're not. what people were worried about. Was uh, some, no, they're not. Some people were being unethical and yeah. they're. Smokers, though they didn't have the uh, proper medical yeah, staff I th- on. I think someone got hurt in an MMA smoker, and I think they, they kind of polluted everything a bit like the people sock. get hurt in the gym. Yeah, I mean, a bit like the, the sock in the, the washing time. machine. It happened. Right, but I'd love it to have a chance. I think it should be bigger in the United States, and they I need to commentate it- from England. By the way, yeah, I agree. I really do think that it should be bigger in the United States, and I do think that it is. It's not like something that's. It's not like cricket. Like, good luck selling that. Yeah, but it's something that's universally exciting. (laughs) I I know you guys enjoy cricket. I don't even. I don't even know what it means. Good. I don't even know anything about it. Congratulations! You made it this far. Or football, or American (laughs) football, or baseball, either. But Muay Thai is universally exciting. If you watch it, it's universally exciting and. In, in my opinion, it's one of the most effective combat sports, like in, as itself, as an individual yeah. unit. Yeah, Yoko, what I work for, amazing. Mm-hmm. And Fusion, that I work, I, I, I'm very privileged to work for them too. Yeah, you're some dealing of with the, high level stuff. I love it. I mean, and Fusion have the best newcomers, the you know the new kids on the block, coming through. They're amazing. These Moroccans are rock hard, and England, you know, with with Yoko and. You, Jordan Watson, Liam, and, and Panikos, and all the good guys that are coming through. It's wicked. I love it. Well, listen, I hate to cut this off, okay. but i got to get the fuck out of here. But uh, I really appreciate you coming down here Loved again. It. Thank you very I, much. I learn a lot every time I talk to you, and I think the, the people do as well. And uh, you, I appreciate man. the timeline therapy. And if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah, vinnyshawman.com. You can get me on Facebook, or you can get me at vinnyshawtime69 on Twitter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Vinny Shorman. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, brother.